Hey guys, we have an exciting announcement just for you. From June 13th to June 20th, we're granting our dedicated members exclusive access to our highly anticipated t-shirt pre-sales. And let me tell you, friends, these designs are out of this world. Our first design celebrates the fearless Tennessee Bigfoot hunters among us. It features Bigfoot himself armed with an AR-15, ready to face the mysteries of the forest head on. This captivating design is printed on a light tan t-shirt with a black outline of Tennessee as a backdrop that demands attention wherever you go. But we're not stopping there. Our second design pays tribute to the legendary Beast of Bray Road. Imagine a haunting scene, a dogman standing tall in a Wisconsin field under the moonlit sky. This black and red design is sure to send shivers down your spine and ignite the curiosity within. And lastly, for those who missed out on our first pre-order, fear not. We're bringing back our classic t-shirt featuring the Confessionals podcast logo. Many people missed the first pre-sale, so we want to give you the opportunity to grab the image that tells a thousand stories. Members get first access to these exclusive pre-sale designs. Members, to get your hands on these awesome designs, head over to the members homepage on our website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, or the homepage of the members app. These pre-sales are available at a discounted price for our members up until June 20th. But don't worry, starting June 20th, we'll open up pre-sales to the public, giving everyone a chance to secure their favorite designs. But mark your calendars because the pre-sale window closes on June 30th when we'll send our orders off to the printers. So if you want early access to these designs and a discount per shirt, become a member of the Confessionals podcast today and unlock the mysteries of the unknown while enjoying exclusive perks like early access to the merch. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air, couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. yep. Welcome to the show, everybody listening to the Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. 
My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows on a weekly basis, we offer that at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button, become a member. There you can get access to all the member shows from the past, the ones coming out now and into the future. They're available on the website and the Confessionals app. It's available only to members, the app. And if you want the app, you got to be a member. So go ahead and check it out. Memberships today. You get all the extra content, the Thursday shows, the overtime shows, and the ad-free listening of the Tuesday shows like this episode. All right. That's the business. Let's get down to the business. We have Joel here in studio. Joel from Van Tessel Music Group. Joel, how you doing, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I think you've probably been on this podcast uh, the most out of anybody ever. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking records. I'm saying like, I, I think like there's, um, I, I'm trying to think of anybody who possibly could have been on this show more than you. I don't think there has been. Uh, between you being on the show and then you being on the show with other people, I, I think you've. I, I think you ha- you hold the record. Somebody has to fact check me on that. All the little fact checkers out there. Uh, <laughs> but listen, man. Like when you're good, you're good. And you you brought uh, you brought you brought several things to us. So over the years, we had you. The first time we had you on, the episode was three thirty four. Was it three thirty four, three thirty five, something like that? I'm no. not sure. I it think was, it was three thirty four. Yeah, it was. I think it was right before Kyle's episode three thirty five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, 334, and I think it's called Devils in the Music. That was the introduction to Joel. And uh, since then, you've been on the show several times throughout uh, since then. So about 200 episodes, you've been on there, I'd say probably at least five or six times. Yeah. And uh, I think the one that always sticks out to my in my head is the... the um, uh, what do we call it? Nephilim Portal Babies? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, Four and a half hours. Was it four and a half hours? Four and a half hours. Oh my god! And you know what's crazy? It wow. didn't even feel like it, man. Like I know. when we were in here doing it, and I've had people tell me that they've listened to the podcast and they work jobs like construction or something. Yeah. And they're like, man, like over half my day was done when I finished listening to it. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> so I listened to it again. My day was over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, today you're down here because. Uh, you've been doing some studying. You've been doing some diving into different topics here and there. I mean, that's kind of what you do. Uh, before we go too far into it, though, let's introduce you properly so people know where you're from and who you are. I said Joel Thomas from Van Tessel Music Group. You're a musician. In fact, I think you probably, your music is played as an outro for this show, I think, for the last 100 episodes, pretty much 99% of the time. Uh, so if anybody that listens to the newer shows, here's the outro music. And you're like, who is that? This is it. This is Joel. Uh, but you're more than that. You're also a podcaster. Kill the Mockingbirds. So tell people what, what you do, who's Joel, and where can they find your stuff? Yeah, so Tony kind of set it up for me. You know, 334 was first episode. Actually, this is when you live in Philly. So I came to visit yeah. you in Philly, and we had a real good connection over the music, right? So uh, my buddy Mark sent you music. And you listen to it and you're like, man, this is dope. We got to talking to each other. Uh, you asked to use the music, obviously. And I was like, yeah, of course. And then we got to be really good friends. And then after that, uh, just on an off chance, you hit me up and say, hey, how you feel about cryptids? And I'm like, dude, I'm from North Georgia mountains. I'm all about it. And you were like, yeah, how do you feel about going and hunting dog, man? I'm like, I'm in. So I was like, get 
out of town. <laughs> really? I had no idea. <laughs> I was just like, I, I hit you up. I'm like, Joel's not going to want to do this. And you're like, absolutely. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Little did I know I had the, you were the craziest friend I have. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, after that, we just kept, you know, growing. I ended up meeting Sean Chris, who at the time had started Kill the Mockingbirds, but he was looking for a steady partner. And he yeah. and I got really close through music as well. And we had done a couple shows together where I was featured on the show. And he just hit me up on the off chance one day. He's like, it's kind of like you with the, with the dog man trip. He's like, I didn't know if I should or not. And I was like, yeah, dude, like totally. Cause I was looking to get into podcasting and you had even said to me before yeah. you were like, man, you need a podcast. <laughs> like yeah. you need to start podcasting. And, uh, it was just a perfect scenario because Sean and I get along so well. And we think a lot alike about a lot of topics, but we're also very different in the way we think about topics too. So it makes for a good show when people listen to it because we're not just, you know, yeah, man, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I agree. Right. <laughs> And I don't think that's how it should be. I think that's how you grow and learn anyways when you yeah. um, bring different ideas to the table. So Kill the Mockingbirds happened, and then you reached out and said, hey, how you feel about Kill the Mockingbirds being on Merkle Media? And I was like, yeah, man, totally. That I'm already doing everything else with Merkle Media. Why not? <laughs> let's, let's make this official and scoop you up. Right, right, totally. And, you know, in doing that, as I started growing through podcasting, because Sean and I are rolling up on a year now doing this together. Mm -hmm. And as I started doing it, man, my research started getting deeper and, and more intense. Like, you know, I, I really wanted to expound on a lot of stuff that I already thought uh, that was going on in the world, not just, you know, anti-government stuff, which that is a huge part of like what I think about, but also the biblical and occult side of things, because I think that's all intertwined, right? You mm -hmm. know, that's, you and I get along really well because we think a lot alike about government and about things behind the scenes, but I also know it's all tied together. I, I think, I hate it when people try to dissect things like, well, I believe in this, but not this or this and not this. Well, yeah, how can you? Because if you look at the threads that tie them all together, it's all tied together. Yeah. You know, I really do think so. I, I love when people are like, I believe in aliens, but I don't believe in fallen angels. Well, I believe in fallen angels, not aliens. Well, they're kind of the same thing. I had a guy <laughs> where I used to work. He said to me, he, he's a Christian, right? He right. said he's a Christian. And we were on the dock and uh, he was loading my truck. And he go, and we were talking about what I do and everything. And he goes, I don't believe in any of that. And I was like, yeah, well, I said, you believe in UFOs at least, right? I mean, everybody believes in UFOs. The government says UFOs are real. And he's like, no, nah, I don't believe in UFOs. I'm like, you don't believe in UFOs? No. And I said, all right, well, I said, you know, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, you believe in demons, right? Because I was going to go, you know, UFO or aliens right. or uh, fallen angels, all that stuff. Right? I was going to work him away, take him where he's at theologically <laughs> and work him into it, right? And I, he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh, well, you believe in demons then, right? And he's like, nope. And I was like, you don't believe in demons? And he's like, no. And I was like, do you believe in angels? Yeah. I said, you believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe in demons? Nope. I'm like, I don't know what to do for you, bro. The world is really strange and you're living in a little cocoon that's nice and safe. You know? Yeah. I think a, a lot of times when you're dealing with like the progressive side of quote unquote Christianity, you're going to get a lot of that because they're going to look at the Bible as a metaphorical tool mm. where it's not real. Yeah. Like the words are not real because progressive Christianity is intertwined with evolution and the thoughts of that God is in everything and helped everything evolve. 
I don't dislike some of the concepts there, and I don't believe in evolution in the sense of like Charles Darwin, but I do believe in like adaptive evolution, like things have adapted through time. You mm-hmm. look at like, you know, from say getting off the ark, you saw, you know, like a wolf or like the first dog, because there was just the first of every species. Well, everything kind of changed after that. Now we got shit zoos, right? Yeah. So <laughs> in that aspect, as time goes, yeah. and we're going to get into some of that today with old earth, because I think the earth's been a lot longer than your typical Christian would probably say, right? Yeah. You know, the, the typical thing is 6,000 years, right? That's what we've always heard. And I don't think it's even close to that. I mm. think we're talking billions of years. I don't think they're off when they say 3.7 billion years. I, I really don't. I think that the earth's been around a lot longer than we know it. Mm. And I think the Bible talks about it as well, as well as other extracurricular texts too, because you got to start looking into Sumerian culture and Babylonian culture and Greek culture, because all of these cultures had the right idea. You know, there might've been fallen angels behind the scenes setting the narrative, but I do think there was some really interesting things. And if you're starting to look at it from a panoramic view, I think you're going to see how it, how it works in that scope. Yeah. Well, that's Joel from Van Tessel Music Group, <laughs> and, we're, and we're getting. In. I just saw on my website the uh, the at the top of the page. There's show art to flick through, and your the first episode flick through is three thirty one. So, oh wow, yeah, episode three thirty one. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get into old Earth today, and uh, you know, I, I'll let you kind of take it away and share with what you've been learning and studying. Uh, but I, I I have never really looked into old Earth a whole lot. Uh, it's one of those things where where if somebody said to me, it's provable the earth is a billion years old, I'd be like, cool. And if somebody said to me, hey, it's provable the earth is 6,000 years old, I'd be like, cool. You right. Know? And it's one of those things where I just don't, haven't really thought a whole lot about. Uh, but what I, I would say is if you told me to off the cuff say what you think or throw out something, I would say uh, if we're going to go with old earth, not saying this is how it is, but I'm saying my assumption would be that uh, there probably then, if, if the earth is billions of years old, there's probably a whole history of the earth that predates what we have in the book of Genesis. And uh, I don't know if that's how you think, but that's kind of the general, if off the cuff, if you had to say, hey, figure this out, I'd be like, well, off the cuff, this is what I would say how it would probably work. So uh, what do you say? You're like, you're right. Oh, there you go. (laughs) That's the show, everybody. That's the show. (laughs) No, you're very right in that concept. And I do think that biblically, there's a lot of proof there. You know, I think you and I were talking on the phone a week ago about how in the Hebrew, a lot of the words are Mm -hmm. a lot different than what they've been translated through the Latin into English, right? So when you start digging, and we're going to talk about some of those Hebrew words today, but so some of the Hebrew is just vastly different. You know, one of the ones you and I joke about all the time is David and the mighty men when, mm-hmm. you know, David and his men were going up in the mountains, tracking down Goliath's kinfolk, you know, these, these Raphaim after the flood. And one of them pulled out what says in the King James version and all the English versions, a sword on David. But if you go back in the Hebrew it's undefinable. It was an object or a weapon that David didn't understand. Yeah. So if you're looking at that as a piece of technology that David didn't understand, and especially if you do the digging on Nephilim and Raphaim and their fathers who had access to all kinds of technology, dude, it could have been some like wild, what we would consider right. space-like technology that he pulled out on him. And so like kind of piggybacking off what you're saying here, uh, the 
they the a lot of translations say sword and it's a it's an implanted word uh because it's just how they did it right uh, and, and another example of that is uh and you and I were talking about this a week ago that's why I just pulled it up here uh psalm eight cha- or uh, psalms chapter eight verse five in the uh the king james version uh is for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and him meaning man. Um, now the original uh, 1611 translation of the King James version, from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong, but this is what I was told uh, from uh, a pastor uh, is that they were very concerned about what the culture of that day would say and how they would react if they put in what it actually says uh, because in the Hebrew it says Elohim, so it, it changes the whole thing. Because uh, in the like, just say here the NLT, which is a New Living Translation, it's more modern terms. Uh, yet you made them, meaning man, only a little lower than God. So the 1611 version says angels. Newer versions say God. The Hebrew says Elohim, which is God or. Uh, God, it means God or gods. It can be plural or singular. Right. Uh, and so it's like, wow, that's, that's kind of big because right. King James Version has people for hundreds of years walking around thinking that they're lower than angels when all these other, when, when in reality, in the Hebrew, it's translated as uh, lower than God. Right. I have heard other people say that it means like Elohim, meaning heavenly beings and therefore angels. But from what I understand, and gosh, I wish he was still with us, but Dr. Michael Heiser, Heiser says that Elohim is, can be only be interpreted as God or gods. That's why Psalm 82 is so groundbreaking because it says that God held judgment amongst the other gods because God's not going to hold judgment amongst himself. It's not gonna, God's not going to judge himself. So he's judging other gods. So if that, based off that teaching, and you relate it to this, well, King James Version is wrong. Right. 82.1 is interesting, too, because it's the definitive biblical verse that talks about the divine council, which all cultures talk about a divine council. You mm. look at any hierarchy, there's always like the creator, and then there's other lower tier gods that are around this hierarchy. So in that verse, I believe that you know, God judge the gods. We don't know what these gods are. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that equates to. And I know there's some great theologians. I, <laughs> I do too. I, I know there's some great theologians that believe that these are angelic beings and there's a hierarchy of angels. And if you get into angelology, then for sure, you're going to start breaking them down in different tiers. But right. outside of that, we don't know what God's created. And today we're going to get into a lot of that. I, I really like a lot of stuff you just brought up because some of that stuff is going to intertwine into this story too, because you were talking about God made us a little lower than him. Well, that ties into old earth big time because I'm going to talk about, you know, ancient man and angel civilizations you want to and know, all that. You want to know why angels don't like us? <laughs> <laughs> right. And there's a huge piece of that. And, you know, really today we're going to start with how that there can be an old earth biblically. And we're going to, the Bible's going to be all through this, but we're going to talk a lot about other cultures and other scientific data as well that's going to make this make sense to everybody um, from either angle that you come from, right? 
So I always like to start out with the with the classic Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, the Hebrew for created is bara, which means create, cut, or dispatch. So that word doesn't necessarily mean that the earth was created at that moment. This is God telling us about what he's doing at that moment. So when you go to Genesis 1-2, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Wait a minute. So the earth was without form and void. When God creates something, he doesn't create it formless and void. He wouldn't do that. Like it's, it's going to be created perfectly because he creates perfectly. Well, something happened here. Something happened. Like what happened to this earth? Like he's over it. The spirit of God's now back on earth, by the way. So he wasn't there, but he's back on earth and he's moving across the face of the deep. Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light and there was light. So in the Hebrew, light is yehi or, and what that means is to exist or light be. Now, the Bible tells us that God is light. The sun and the moon haven't been created yet. This was later. It talks about the sun and moon being created later in the other days. So God's just saying like, I'm back on the scene, y'all. Like, I'm here. Like, whatever happened before, Billions of years, whatever was going on with all these other civilizations, I'm going to get into all that too. But he came back to reform. Did he create things during these seven days, which I don't even know were actually seven days. We'll get into that too. Mm. But during this period of time, yeah, he created stuff. Absolutely. But a lot of what he did was reform, remanage what he first started out with. So I think that's what people get really messed up with those first three verses. They think that he's creating something here. No, he's actually showing back up and restarting something is what he's doing. Kind of like putting up a new new window curtains. Right. Redoing. Absolutely. Remodeling. Absolutely. Yeah, and in the, in the, in the old earth, this is something that like has been talked about for for some time and I Again, I, I brought him up earlier. I, I and you might know this. I'm not sure. Uh, are you familiar? Does Heiser was he old Earth? Do you do you know? I, I can't remember if he was or was, and I know he talked about it several times. I just can't remember if he was or not. So I have seen several of his. Um, just I don't know a good word for it. Just shorts that he's done for you know different you know like YouTube and stuff like that. And from all indications, it seems like, yes, he does believe in old earth. I know a lot of those guys do at least have some sort of open-mindedness to it because of the Hebrew and because of where um, a lot of these words came from. Because it seems to me like the Hebrews had a lot more grasp on what was really going on in the world than we do. Mm. I, you know, I love how everybody's always like, primitive man was so stupid. They didn't know anything. We're so much more advanced than they were back then. I don't believe that for a second. I think they were human beings just like we're human beings. Same capabilities. I think they may have had access to better technology or a different kind of technology than when we do now. Now, I think technology got out of control when you've seen some resets, for sure. 
I mean, yeah, I, I, picking back off that, I, I would say uh, Randall Carlson and, and Graham Hancock recently when they were on Rogan talking about the technology aspect of things, mm-hmm. uh, Randall Carlson said that in coming months there was going to be some kind of a, a exposure or something. I don't know whatever happened to that, uh, if, if, the, if it actually happened or not. But he basically said that there is a group of people who have discovered ancient technology. And the way he described it was that one, I mean, using shapes, they were able to basically have generators that never ran out of energy. Mm-hmm. It was like free, endless supply uh, by the p- positioning of certain types of shapes. I don't know how it all worked, right? But uh, uh, he, he said that there, there's a group of people that was coming out with this. And uh, he said that the it seems like the ancients, they had advanced technology and they they thought of technology different mm-hmm. than what we do. Uh, we see technology as how can we have it most benefit for us or weaponize it and things like that. And it's just, I guess they had a completely different mindset about technology. It's just something that I personally can't fathom. So, And I'm glad you went there too because King Solomon even suggested that technology was better in the past, even from him. Really? So in Ecclesiastes uh, 1, 9 through 11 he says, the thing that hath been is, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there was no new thing under the sun. Is there anything of which can be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. So he's literally telling us from his point, which I think he had a grasp on technology. And if you look at Freemasonry, it's all tied and intertwined with Solomon. That's a lot of the tenets of Freemasonry is from Solomon. And there's a reason to that because Solomon had a grasp on building, had a grasp on Masonry, and he understood technology. And at, at that particular time, he's letting us know, hey, man, ain't nothing new under the sun. If we're thinking about this earth as there's an old earth, Think about this. This is going to blow your mind here too. What if the formless and void moment when the earth was destroyed, right? Before the deluge, our flood that we know about. What if there had been destroyed before that? Hmm. What if it was destroyed before that? We don't know. We have no idea. And for Solomon, who had an absolute grasp on things we have no concept of, for him to say... And you guys are acting like this has been done, like this hasn't been done. This has been done before in ancient times. So he's letting us know in Ecclesiastes, hey, man, it's been done. And it's, it may have even been done better. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so this, is, this could be something that it, um, it's like a cycle. I think the Sumerians had a grasp on that cycle. and. One of the uh, couple of the guys that you know that I follow out of, like like uh, like Quail, I love Quail's work, and he talks about the Sumerians know the cycle. They knew it was like what every three like three thousand six hundred years there was like a reset, and he knew it went all the way back. Hmm. And I think when it comes, and we're going to talk about the Sumerians today too, because you know it's it's said it's always been said that their tablets were the first known. The cuneiform writing was the first known form of writing that we've ever gotten a hold of. So everybody always predates them because their writings were before the Bible, and they say that the Bible borrowed from 
cuneiform, which I don't agree with. I, I, I think that the Hebrews always pass everything down verbally and orally, so it was long before that. But I do think the Sumerians had a very good grasp on what happened before, but just from a fallen angel perspective, right? Mm. It, they had that pantheon of gods, but they knew so much more. I mean, their, their civilization was one of the earliest known, like, massive civilizations that covered a lot of the continents. So when you think about that, they understood that. Um, and again, I go, to, I go to a lot of their stuff because I really like what they have to say because that's where I'm going to start piecing from the Bible to what they said and then coming up with a full scope of what really old earth was. Mm. Well, carry on. Carry yeah. on. So I'm going to go to Genesis 1-6 now. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Look, man, at this, guy, at this, <laughs> point, at this right. point, God didn't create anything. He just divided the waters that were there. There's it's, no creation. It's funny when you when you uh, when you when you're reading it right, during devotional time or you know Sunday service, pastors reading, and you're half asleep still. You kind of gloss over that stuff and you don't catch it. That's why, like when you when you dive into the Bible, I mean, so many times I I sit there and I'm like, I don't remember ever reading that or I never read it that way. I never heard it that way. Yeah. And it's like, wait a second, he was dividing waters. So that water is already, what? You know what I mean? It's like, hold on Already there. It was already there. Huh. <laughs> right. Where did it come from though? Right. And yeah. that's what we're going to talk about today too. Uh, Genesis 1.8 says, and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. And this was the first heaven. So... This was the first heaven, so I'm going to break off just a quick part about heaven. So in Hebrew, it's hashmaim, which means heavens. That's a word that gets mistranslated a lot, especially when you're reading it in English. So I'll put heaven, but it's heavens. And we can go as far as Paul in 2 Corinthians talking about getting caught up in the third heaven. The Dead Sea Scrolls talk about seven heavens that there were seven layers to heaven. So, and it's even talked about, you know, Jesus ascending to the upper echelon of heaven in the Bible as well, the heavens. So, Paul, he wasn't surprised at the first and second heaven. I think this is indicative of the firmament or the atmosphere and in space. He wasn't shocked. He knew what these were. When he got to that third heaven, though, which is like, I think, another dimension. Beyond space. Beyond space, time, all that. When you start getting into these different levels and layers, I think this is when like Paul was like, whoa, what's really going on here? Um, I think that this disproves the flat earth theory, in my opinion. However, I'm open-minded, guys. So if you're a flat earther, I get it. I, I, here's what I think. I think flat earth boxes us in. It makes us the center of attention. And I think that people that believe in that can't imagine a God that could have a scope outside of our understanding. Mm. Uh, we're a ball spinning out of nowhere. We're, we're not the center of attention. Um, it can't be true because the, the elites want us to not think this because it makes us feel so alone and God wants us connected to him. He does. But God's also way more massive and way more beyond anything we could even grasp in our minds. 
But we try to figure it out all the time and box him in. He ain't in a box. Yeah. And, and I think that is where we're going today with this old earth theory. Because again, what, what have we done? We, we have boxed us into 6,000 years. For what? <laughs> There's no way. Like, <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> There's no way. Like, dude, it, 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 listen, I'm not saying that there aren't organizations like the Smithsonian and some of these other groups that want to rewrite history. Yeah. But with anything that's fake, there's always levels of truths to it, or it's not going to be a good lie. Mm. It's like with NASA, right? I think NASA puts out a lot of garbage, but I don't think that everything they're putting out is fake. I don't think every picture from space is fake. I don't believe that at all for a second. They, they're giving us what they want us to see so they can spin their narrative on it, but it's not... I, I just can't buy this concept of everything's fake. Mm-hmm. How are you going to live your life like that? Also, just get in the book, man. Get in the Bible. Get, read other things and, and, and expand your consciousness to, to understand how God wants you to connect to the world around you and the people around you. And I think when you start getting into that scope, you can live a happier life. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're getting back to the old earth. It gets a little crazier in Genesis, man. I'm telling you, when you're rereading that first book of Genesis, you're like, oh oh man, what is going on in this first chapter? It's just mind-blowing. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, hey, guess what? He's rearranging again. He's not creating anything. He's just rearranging. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed. And the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. There's a seed at, man. He didn't create the seed. You know where the seed was at? It was in the earth the whole time. It was there from before. Hmm. Now think about this. We know for a fact that we can replant seeds that have been around for a long time. Methuselah was a tree that was sprouted Back in Israel, it was a 2,000-year-old seed that they planted this from, and it regrew. We know back in 2012 that Russian scientists unearthed seeds from a prehistoric squirrel burrow that was in ice from, according to them, 32,000 years old, and it regrew. We know seed can last for a long time. so. Again, God didn't create the seed. It was already there. He just pulled the land up. Let me clarify something here uh, because what you're saying, I just want people to understand, and, and, and maybe I don't understand. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but uh, I don't think you're saying that God didn't create, but God didn't create it for the first time right. there. Absolutely. So, because I, I, I just wanted to kind of preface that because I, I imagine there's some people who are like, well, then who created it? Right. God did. Just this wasn't his first go around is what you're saying. Correct. Well, I'm talking about that edemic times past this creation right here that we're talking about in, in Genesis, this, this rearranging. The seed that he's talking about, whose seed is in itself, it's already there. It was already there. When he divided the waters in the land, it was already there. It was ready to go. Hmm. Yeah. Where did the seed come from, though? 
If it's saying that their seed, the seed was in itself, it was already there. It means that there was a time before this. There was an old earth. What was on the old earth? A lot of stuff. <laughs> it's like a lot of stuff. Right. So we're going to get to that real quick, but in I'm going to jump to Jeremiah real quick because I want to talk about that formless and void thing, right? Because okay. that's talked about in Jeremiah as well. Uh, 4.23 through 25, I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void in the heavens and they had no light. I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled and all the hills moved lightly and I beheld and lo, there was no man and all the birds of the heavens were fled. Well, wait a minute. There's no man, but there's birds flying. Why did they flee? And then when you go into the Hebrew and you translate bird, it's not a bird. It's off, which is actually translated to flying creatures. So what were these flying creatures <laughs> flying off right. this disheveled earth? So the Hebrew's telling us that there are creatures from before that are flying off. It's right there. It's all right there for us to see if we want to see it. And you talk about formless and void. It actually in the Hebrew is tohu vabohu, which means it became formless and void. It wasn't already. It became that way. So tohu vabohu would be like you and me in this studio right now. Looks nice. And we just tore it up, beat it up, threw paint all over the place and just trashed it. That's tohu vabohu. We made it formless and void. We destroyed it. So again, it's telling us in the text that there was a time before this formless and void, this dishevelment of the earth. Hmm. Do you have thoughts on how that happened? Absolutely. I don't want to be jumping the gun, but because uh, I've already done that a couple of times now. So I asked you what was on the old earth and how did it get destroyed? So let's remember that and let you carry oh, on. It's, it's, it's definitely coming, man. It's okay. definitely coming because that's going to be the, uh, the heat of the matter for sure. Um, and to get to why I think the earth's also old and I think there's scientific evidence for it too, man. I think like radiometric dating, you know, as flawed as it can be. I think there is some level of truth to it. I think where you get in the weird, when you get in that weird space, man, is when you've got like evolutionary geologists who will go to a place and they'll do radiometric dating, but it doesn't add up to their narrative. And then they'll be like, oh, it's, this, it's not working for us. It's just bad data. Right. It's bad data. Right. I, I think, you know, it's, it's nothing's totally accurate, right? Like yeah. when you're trying to dig into the past. But I do think that there are, when you're looking at fossils and certain things, yeah, man, I think that, I, I know people want to go to the flood and say, well, yeah, that's how they got fossilized and how this happened. And there's, there's some truth to that, but not everything that's a fossil was that young. Like, it's just not. Like, we can, again, we can go back to radio, radiometric dating and look at some of these things and, and it does come out to be probably in the millions, probably in the billions of years old, man. I mean, we, you know, we can go back to what I forgot the, the, uh, there was a full, uh, skeleton of this, 
guy, I forgot the name of what they called him, but he was found in like in the ice, right? And he had all these tools with him, but he was dated in like the 30,000, 40,000 years old. And it's like, well, how do you have this technology with him? Like, you know, according to evolutionists, man, when he's supposed to be around. <laughs> so it, some of the stuff just doesn't add up, you know, when you're looking at Evolutionists don't believe that man was around 30,000 years ago? That level of technology, like as far as the technology piece goes, they don't think technologically we had tools and stuff like that back then. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was like hominoids, but that doesn't fit into it. And I literally was asking because I don't know evolutionary theory at all. The only reason I've, I've even got so much into it is just because... You know, I do believe like there's some sort of adaptive evolution, right? I think that you've, if you've got a long period of time, I think you're going to have things that are going to shift per where they're at, right? Per the environment they're in. I mean, even people do that, man. Like you see people in a certain area for a long amount of time, their body's going to start adapting. Even their skin tone's going to adapt to the environment they're in. I think if you're looking at it from that aspect, yeah, there's going to be, I mean, you got animals that develop webbing in their, you know, uh, pause or feed or whatever because they need to swim or, or whatever. You know, you yeah. get, you're getting these small increments. What I don't believe in is like species changing, like from this species and then morphed into this species. Because, I mean, you look at Charles Darwin, man. I mean, the dude was a, one, a Freemason. Let's not even forget that. Let's not forget his father, Erasmus Darwin, was so a huge you, Freemason. Though. True. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminding you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm very open about your reformed. Past. Yeah. yeah, reformed. Yeah. <laughs> um, his father Erasmus was. We know that for a fact. He's in the documents, the Scottish Rite, and we know that uh, Charles Darwin's son was too. So Charles Darwin was brought along for a reason. You know, he was the face of what they wanted to create. Yeah. Um, the narrative to be going forward. And that's why, and we're going to talk about this a little later about dinosaurs, but that's why I think dinosaur bones were pushed to the forefront and why they hit a lot of the giant bones. Because giant bones don't fit that narrative where they could make dinosaur bones fit the narrative of, of evolution. Giant bones blow it out of the water. You start seeing giant bones like, well, wait a minute. Like, if we're evolving, well, that's the upper echelon of evolvement. And it seems like we're regressing now if that's the case, mm. right? Because yeah. we don't see giants just walking around right now. Yeah. AI art, that's about it. It's about- Have you seen those? <laughs> yeah. They look, they look really convincing. It looks pretty wild, man. I mean, AI is getting so good right now, man. It's, about, yeah. It's, it, I've seen some stuff, man, AI-wise, where it looked like some real pictures of people. And I'm like, man, that... I think there's going to be a lot of politicians, celebrities use that in the future, man, to get out of things for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Like even like, you know, so-and-so said this. No, I didn't prove it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like this isn't the best, but I'm going to do it anyways because we were talking about this uh, in in the truck uh, and we'll get back to your topic too. No, you're good. This got me. Uh, I've been messing around with the the AI voice for me, right? And uh, I got it pretty honed. I'm going to play this recording over the mic, so it's not going to be the most pure stuff. But what people are about to hear is not me. It's literally AI, a tweaked AI vocal that I got to sound almost identical to me. Here it goes. There. There we go. Suddenly, I felt hands grab my shoulder. I turned around again, and a ghostly figure stood before me. Its eyes glowed red as it whispered, you shouldn't have come here. 
That's freaking AI, man. <laughs> That's AI. That's crazy. Anyways, I, I listen. ADHD. I think the most of the audience knows. So uh, deal with it. But let's get back to our track. <laughs> no, all good, man. And and like I said, I'm just setting the tone for why biblically that the earth's old, right? Before yeah. we get into the really crazy stuff about how I think that Lucifer ruled old Earth and what people could have been in old Earth. Because I think there were people before us. I think there was pre-edemic man. And we'll get into that too. Why? What I think was going on at that time. But before that, uh, 2 Peter 3, 5-7. through 7, For this they willingly are ignorant of, and by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Boom right there is talking about old earth again, the world that then was. So the Hebrews had a huge grasp on this concept of that there was an earth before Adam, that there was a lot going on before Adam for that matter. What changed? Like, is it just literally language? The Hebrews had a much more deep understanding because of the language of what their history was or do you think that it, it purely is one of those things where over time, you know, quote unquote elites, whoever, try to rewrite human history and and cover up things like that because of their own agendas? I think so. I think this, the latter. Mm. I, I think they infiltrated the church. I think that they want to take the concepts of old earth and this world before Adam and even how old our earth is. In, in general, when you're looking at, because when we start looking into these fantastical elements of the earth that we know to be true, we know there's giant bones. Yeah. We've seen them. Yeah. I'm not talking about AI stuff. We've seen giant bones. We know there were giants that walked the earth. I think there's still giants around now, but oh, I don't yeah. think they're walking the earth. I think they might be in the earth. Or in another Dimension. realm alongside A the earth. A portal baby. Yeah. So I totally agree with that concept, but I, I think that what happens, they infiltrated the church. They try to make the people in the church look stupid because we're sitting around screaming about 6,000 years and six days, and we're ready to Bible beat somebody to death who's like, the earth's a lot older than that. But we don't have that middle ground to be able to talk to somebody who, you know, who's been educated or indoctrinated, however you want to look at it, but at least has some good facts because they may be looking at you with some viable questions. Hey, man, look, this stuff right here is, doesn't make sense. doesn't fit within this 6,000-year-old bracket of what we're talking about. And I think that if we can start expanding our minds to thinking about the earth bigger and that God is bigger <laughs> than what we think, then we can start connecting with people on a different level too. I think that's, that's something. I think as you know, uh, Christians, which by the way, Christian was only using the Bible one time, and Jesus never used the word Christian. So I, I consider myself trying to live Christ-like. I think a lot of times people use the word Christian as a, a, to be tribalistic in a negative way. And I don't think that if you call yourself a Christian, that's a bad thing. Don't get me wrong here. What I'm saying is, though, a lot of people will use that as a tool in a negative way. And we're talking about the church being infiltrated. Well, everything goes back around full circle. I mean, that's how the term Christian even began. You know, like it was a negative thing. Like in the early days, they were Christ followers, followers right. of Christ. And the, to be mocked, they would call them, oh, you're a Christian. Correct. It was a, it was a mockery. It was a, it was a negative term to begin with. And so 
uh, everything goes full circle. Full circle. Yeah. So. It, it really does. And it's, I just, you know, honestly, Tony, and this is jumping off this for a second, but I just really don't get down with the tribalism, and especially today in today's climate and today's yeah. world. Like, I, I think we can do so much more by trying to understand what somebody else is saying and trying to connect with somebody else, even if we don't agree with what they're saying, right? Because a lot of times I can learn something from them because maybe they say a few things like, man, I, Maybe I need to go back and read this or check this out because they're making sense with what they're saying. If nothing else, go back and check it out so that you can try to prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like if you if you have if you come into a situation with a with a thought and an idea of something and somebody's challenging you on it and uh, in the moment you're like, man, I really don't have a good rebuttal for that, but I know it's freaking wrong. Gives you a reason to go back and study <laughs> and and show yourself approved or disapproved. So. <laughs> No, I, I completely agree, man. And, yeah. I, and I think that's something that as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, Yeshua, Yahuwah, I do it for all the people across the spectrum. <laughs> uh, if for, for people that, that follow Yeshua, I, I think that we should strive to live like he did, right? Because mm. he did so many things that none of us do, man. Like not hanging around with people that we think dif- that think differently than us that that are living in what we think is sin. We're all living in sin by the way. So let's put that out there. You know, somebody else's sin isn't any worse than ours even though we feel that it is. But we have a hard time connecting with people that think differently than us because we we don't live Christ like. I think we should strive to. We never will. But I think we, that should be our goal is to is to grow in that aspect. We live in a culture that is geared towards getting people to not associate with other people who don't think like them. And that in itself is anti-Christ. Absolutely. That's very interesting. All right, continue. No, no worries. <laughs> so I'm going to shift now. We're going to, we're starting to, I'm building up, man. We got some good Jack, stuff. Jack, uh, how long have we been recording? About 50 minutes, people are going to be, they're finally like, finally, we're going to get into the old earth now. Stop rambling about AI and Tony's voice and get into the good stuff. So I want to talk about Cain. Okay. So Cain is very interesting in proving that there was a pre-edemic man before us. So in Genesis 4, this is after Cain killed Abel. So he's getting into it with God right now. And it says, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. This is God talking to him, telling him he's cursed. He's telling him, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. (sighs) So I'm thinking too, like he's telling him the ground that thou tillest. So Cain's got to eat. You know, I guess he's tilling it by himself, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe that makes sense. Okay, I'm going to keep going now. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive vagabond on the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one of that findeth me shall slay me. Wait a minute. Who are these people? Who are these people? Yeah. Who is everyone? Who is Cain so afraid of? So the mainstream consensus in Christianity is that Cain married one of Adam and Eve's daughters. Okay, that's the main, mainstream consensus, Ooh. which doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. 
because Cain also built 66 cities. His first son, Enoch, which I've done super deep dives with you already on Enoch. Mm. He named his first city Enoch. Well, we know Cain could build because clearly God wasn't going to let him plant anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's going to learn how to build, right? He's going to learn how to build. Where, were the, where are these people coming from? How did he, how did he create a civilization so fast? So let's just, let's just say the mainstream Christian views, right. Let's say that he married one of Adam and Eve's daughters or a couple of them, right? And we're just going to make, he's going to have a bunch of kids. So he's going to get two of them. Well, first off, they got to have the daughters. Then at some point he's going to have kids, but then they've got to have relations as well to build more kids. It takes a lot of time. It's not happening super fast. You got nine months to have a kid. They got to get to at least an age to where they can repopulate. But, and, and physically work. Well, and then on top of that, Cain, you know, they lived a, a lot longer back then. But let's just say he was, you know, Methuselah lived like 900 something years, right? Yeah. Let's just say he was in the 800 range or whatever. Just give him a top end. That still doesn't give him enough time to just bust out. Not with a wife or two wives. Not with there being other people to help build. He's not building these monstrous cities by himself and his son. It's just not possible. So who were these other people? Where did they come from? I don't know, Joe. I think that this ties into Sumerian culture and the Anunnaki. And I think this is when you're starting to get into who the Anunnaki were. I don't believe some of what people say the Anunnaki were. I, I've heard that the Anunnaki were Nephilim. I think the Sumerians were talking about a time before that. I think the Anunnaki were fallen angels. And they created the Ajiji, which in their, in their text, the Ajiji was the man before man. They didn't listen to what the fallen angels wanted. They ended up having like a big beef over some waterways that they were building. And then they created man to be the new workers, which I don't agree with that. Like, I'm just saying from their perspective, from a fallen angel perspective, they're going to say that they created everything. They at least tell the people that are following them that. So, but in their text, the Ajiji were before man. There was, at least in some text, there was a man before man. So if we're going to put a name on it, to me, that's a good name for it. There was a man that was created in old earth. How? We don't know. I don't know if God created him. I don't know if this was some sort of DNA messing that fallen angels did because they knew that man was coming. The stars have told us that. It's all in the stars. God put it in the stars. God put it in the stars that Jesus was coming. <laughs> so them knowing, having a pre-cognitive thought that we're on the way, they might be trying to put together something their own to disturb, you know, this, this world before the world. So I'm thinking, and we're going to get deeper into the Ajiji and some of this as we keep going, but I think that that is a good place to go with it that there was this pre-man. Now, you're going to ask, people are going to ask, well, if the earth was destroyed, how, how are these people still surviving? Well, that's when you get into technology 
with fallen angels. You can talk about inner earth where people went to go hide. We talk about the Nephilim all the time, hiding before the deluge when Noah got on the ark. Where did they go? They came back. Yeah. So what's to say we didn't have like a pre-man? The Bible says that Adam, that mankind was created in his image. Does it mean there wasn't some sort of humanoid presence before that? We know, uh, man, we could go deep into like Atlantis and some of these other great civilizations that we talked about that were like way in the past. Makes sense. From all these other cultures, they're just talking about from their perspective, right? Again, I think the, I think the fallen angels have done a really good job of intermingling their aspect on it. You know, Satan's been a masterful manipulator and like he created or creating these godlike names that were actually the creators of the earth, especially when you look at these pantheon of gods, right? This mm. polytheistic view that they always promote. But yeah, it's talked about in the Atrahasis tablets. We're talking about the tablets of the Sumerians. Well, these are the tablets that were found. And it says when the gods manlike, so this is these pre-Adamite people, bore the labor, carried the load, the gods load was great. The toil grievous, the trouble excessive, the great Anunnaki, the seven, were making the Ajiji undertake the toll. So they had it. The Ajiji were like, nah, man, like we're not doing this anymore. And they bucked back. And that's when man came, was after that. Again, I'm not adhering to the story being true, but I'm taking that element. Again, we talk about there's always some fact in, in any lies or whatever that's been spun to us. So I think there's some level of truth there. I think these Ajiji or whatever you want to call them, this pre-Adamite man existed. And how could they have survived? Well, they could have gone under Earth. What, what if they got off planet? some sort of Stargate system, portaling system. We're going to get into that too. We're going to talk about how Mars had angel civilizations. We're going to talk about the planet Rahab today where Lucifer set up shop after he was kicked off of, kicked out of heaven. There, there's all kinds of planetary Stargates that were being used back then. I think that's where technology was greater than now because they had the knowledge and the access when it came to portaling, when it came to uh, other dimensions. I think that's the knowledge that ancient man had that we've been cut off from. And I think that there is a select few of people on this planet that understand that, but they want to keep it from the rest of us. Whereas it was a little more open in the scope of things back then. I, uh, I was talking to Dr. Juliet Engel. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, at the time of this recording, the second interview I did with her has not aired yet. Uh, but before or after her and I got into a pretty fascinating conversation about the idea of uh, I forget the I, I, was, I forget the term that she was using star something it wasn't Stargate though it was something else but it was basically a Stargate mm -hmm. and uh, and I was just like man there is something to this ancient technology that was used that's so much more advanced than anything we've ever seen in our lifetime. I mean, we think we're cool because we have iPhones. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like the at the very best, iPhones are a portal into another world through our minds. Like, what Stargates were like? That's like straight up like power that piece up and let's go, baby. You know what I mean? Like, right. like you can do like a like a, a philosophical way of saying, yeah, your iPhone's like a portal, you know, and all that stuff. And I could go down that road. And I did recently on a member episode. Um, 
actually, I don't think that aired yet either. But <laughs> I, 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 I talked about that stuff. But in reality, I mean, these stargates. That, I mean, if you want to talk about like technological uh, portals, that's that's that. I think, and I'm even taking this to Adam too. I think there is a level. And I'm just using this word as a word that makes sense, a level of magic that even that he understood that God taught him as far as his interconnectivity with the world and how to like connect because he was so close to God. And I think that's where some of that technology comes into play too, as far as like how they understood it. I think that these fallen angels came and corrupted it, but I think there was a level of, you know, they say we use, I know Sean Chris is going to hate this because he and I buck with this all the time, but they say that, you know, we use less of our brains now than we did back then. Well, we've had access to more of our brains. You know, what part of that was telepathy or other things that could have been used back then in conjunction with some sort of technology? We don't know. We don't know. This is that stuff that we don't know and we don't understand. Yeah. Wow. Carry on. So, and the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Why is he putting this mark on him, Tony? Why? What is it? Who else is out there? There's somebody else out there. He put a mark on him so they wouldn't clearly, kill him. Clearly. clearly. What, you looked into like the, the other... Uh, you, you looked into this. So what is the, the more, more modern... You know, mainstream theological uh, explanation to something like that. They just gloss over it. They gloss over. I'm dead serious, dude. I have I have looked through people talking about it, and I just think that you know I listened to Heiser actually talk about this, and he made the most sense where he kind of broke some things down on both sides of it. But even he was like, I mean, some of this text, you know, could definitely mean that there was some sort of pre-edemic man. That was here. I, I, I just think there was. Yeah. And I think that it was from before. And I'm going to call him the Ajiji because I like that word a lot. And it makes sense to me from a Sumerian angle of what these pre-edemic men were. Um, and then it says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Well, I want to get into Eden a little bit too. Um, what was Eden? People think it was an actual place that was on earth. And I think to an extent, but I think it was interdimensional. Yeah. I think it was here. And I think it's where it was said in the Bible too, when they talk about, it could have been Mesopotamia. We we're talking about the Tigris and Euphrates rivers and it runs between. But I think that it was an interdimensional place. And I think when he left it, left around where Eden was at, I think he, you know, that that dimensional rift, I think over time left us where maybe people saw it before, maybe saw the cherubim guarding it. But I think at some point it just, the veil was like blocked off from us there. I think it's interdimensional. I think the garden has been here for a long time. And I've got biblical proof that Lucifer himself ran the garden before Adam. Mm. Hence, hey, get up on out of here. You know, like get, get up right. on out of here. So, uh, I, I what I've been telling telling uh, some people recently because it's just what you're talking about is something I've been thinking about. Uh, we we know the punishment on man when it came to sin, right? And it le leads to the idea 
at least from a supernatural worldview. I mean, listen, I, I say all the time, we're spiritual beings living a physical existence. The reason why we're living a physical existence is because of the sin that was brought into this, it, it, onto mankind. Right. Uh, and we were downgraded. This is what Tony interpretation, but <laughs> we, we were downgraded from the, the spiritual, ex, this spiritual existence into a more physical existence. And uh, part of that downgrading is being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, which was a, which was equally a spiritual existence within our, 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 our spiritual existence. And, so I, when we talk about, you know, portal jumping and uh, interdimensional, all that stuff, it, it, I think what you were saying is, is very much what I, what I think. I, I think the Garden of Eden is in another realm, a spiritual plane. And in that spiritual plane, yes, there is an angel there guarding that entrance. And if you ever find your way into that spiritual plane, into that, you will see that. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same mindset as you and stuff it's just um uh it's hard for us to fathom uh what that even means like how, like how do you how do you um picture not even picture how do you how do you describe and and feel that that spiritual existence that we once had right. that we don't have anymore it, it's just hard to even fathom well and that's the best part too i mean even in genesis it never said god created the garden either mm. Just said he put Adam in the garden. Think about that. He just placed him there. And if you think about what we talk about, where the veil's thinning in areas of the world where it seems to be a lot of activity of paranormal or cryptid activity, imagine a place where the veil is absolutely gone, where it's just a dimensional shift. You're right there. You can see both at the same time. I think that's what the Garden of Eden was. I think Adam moved in and out of the garden at will. He probably didn't even look at it that way. Again, back to that for lack of better word, magic, that he understood this spiritual awakening that he was, or spiritual awareness that he had of the world around him and be able to... Like a natural spiritual well, awareness. Well, yeah, you know, he, he walked with angels. This was nothing to him. You know what I mean? Imagine that. Imagine just these beings, these other gods we were talking about, the Elohim, like he saw all this. It was nothing to him that was, he was born in that. Imagine being born in that, where that was just a normal thing. You grew up with angels and just what we would consider magical beings. Yeah. All the time. Imagine being cut off from that. And now, and now you're out. And Cain doesn't know anything about that. He was born into this like tough life. So for him, now he's out there with these pre-Adamite men who he's scared of. He's clearly scared of something, man. He's not, he doesn't want to be out there. The fact that God had put a mark on him <laughs> so none of these humanoids would kill him. And clearly they were able, he was able to copulate with them. So they were very close to what human man was, which we, we see a lot of what we talk about in the past with a lot of these things. Bigfoot. It's <laughs> in the scope. I think, and I'm going to tell you, man. I, I think, said, I said a half tongue in cheek. I think that Bigfoot has been around for a long time. I think they've been around for billions of years. I think they've seen a lot, and I think it's it's pass, been passed down through their generations. I think they're just like this is the generation where they're keeping themselves more hidden because it's it's not good business to be out and about <laughs> for them right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Picture this. It's the witching hour, and you feel a chill creeping up your spine because you just heard strange noises in the dead of night that you know wasn't your dog walking around or kids coming to tell you they wet the bed. Fear not, because Simply Safe is here to protect you from both the earthly and otherworldly dangers that might be lurking around. It's time to take your home security to the next level. Simply Safe, the award-winning leader in home security, brings you a fortress of protection against things that go bump in the night. With their cutting-edge technology, your home will be shielded by a web of sensors and cameras detecting any movement, whether it's from a mischievous specter or an inebriated neighbor that can't figure out why his key won't work in your door. And let me tell you about their latest game changer, the two-in-one smoke and carbon monoxide detector. It's not your ordinary detector. This next-generation technology distinguishes between fire and cooking smoke, so you get fewer false alarms while your home stays protected. Don't let the unknown keep you up at night. Trust Simply Safe to be the guard dog of your home day and night. Right now, get 20% off your new system when you sign up for interactive monitoring. Visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we were just talking about the garden being a metaphysical place. Yeah. I want to get into Lucifer, Abaddon as the Bible calls him as well, and how I think he ruled the earth. Even before he turned, I think he was given the keys. So this was like his domain? Absolutely. So uh, again, anybody who's li listening that isn't familiar, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser is somebody that I highly respect. And I was actually supposed to interview him for the show. And the week that I was supposed to interview him, I had gotten sick and then he had gotten cancer. And he's passed away since... Uh, but, um, I, I bring him up because a lot of the things that we're talking about, he has, has brought up and said, uh, and what I, I forget, I forget what I, where I was going to go with that. What did you just say? What were we just talking about? I can't remember. Lucifer ruling Lucifer. Old earth. Uh, yeah, it's gone now. So carry on. <laughs> there was something I was going to say with that and I just can't remember. Uh, but that's, that's typical. So Isaiah 14 is really where you get into the bulk of Lucifer, of Abaddon, and, and his time before he turned, and then kind of what happened when he did. And there's some really key parts of the text here where you're just like, blown, where I'm like, I'm like it's right there. Old Earth's right there again. So Isaiah 14, 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Wait a minute. He's fallen from heaven. What are these nations? What are these nations, Tony, that are on the earth during this time? This is a period long before Adam, but there's nations mm. on the earth. Isaiah 14, 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So this is a key text too, and I just want to throw this out there. People get this twisted. Lucifer never wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. I don't think he ever had the delusion that he was ever going to beat God. I think he wanted to be like God. He wanted people to worship him like God. But again, who did he want to worship him? We weren't even close to being around. Good point. <laughs> well, and I, I remember what I was gonna, where I was going with that though, because you mentioned about Lucifer ruling the earth, mm -hmm. and I, I mentioned about domains, and and again going back to Psalm eighty two and Heiser's teaching, 
Uh, it, well, it just says it in Psalm 82. It, God is talking to other God entities, and he mm-hmm. said, how long are you going to hold uh, judgment? Or how, are you gonna, how long are you going to uh, hold? I forget. But he's talking about like these, these, these gods holding judgment uh, unjustly. And so it, it's the idea that they had their own domains, that they, it seems like they had their own domains that they were responsible for. Like God created these God entities to have jobs and, uh, and they weren't doing their jobs. So like the idea that Lucifer holding, you know, court here, like this was his spot. This is where he kind of ruled and stuff. Uh, I don't think it's a foreign thing at all, at all. And in my mind. But I, I, I totally agree with you, Tony. And also when you think about it, I think, and I've said this before, I think Lucifer was not happy when he learned about us, right? So if that was part of the reason he fell because he was jealous, because he knew that, hey, one day we're going to judge the angels. It's said in the text. So why wouldn't he, in his falling, create some sort of humanoids to rival God? What if that's part of it? What if they use some sort of DNA splicing? What if they were the catalyst of these humanoids that were created in that first earth or whatever earth it was, but mm-hmm. one before Adam? That's a thought as well that, I, that crossed my mind. I'm not saying that God didn't create them, but we don't know. And we know that they can create. Let's get that out there first. I hate when people are like, only God can create. Like, no, that's not true. Like humans are creating in labs right now. We're all creating. Now, did God put the building blocks there for you already? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like a, a pack of Legos. They're just blocks, but I can create with them. Same thing with DNA. And I think that's kind of what could have happened. And I think it goes back to these Sumerian Ajiji. I think that that was part of what they were trying to do, these Anunnaki, these fallen angels. Which again, I'm, I'm getting off of this Anunnaki being the Nephilim because that's something that I hear in these Nephilim circles a lot. And I just think that this Sumerian text was meant to be pre-Adamite because it talks about the humans coming after the Ajiji. So that doesn't make sense in the timeline to me of how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do think there's some mixture of the text. And again, deception, you're going to see that happen because we talk, they, they talk about the flood with Gilgamesh being a part of this whole... You know, being sort of like Noah, you know, in that time period. Um, Isaiah fourteen fifteen. Yet you shall shall be brought down to Sheol. So God's talking to Lucifer. This is after he's wanted to be like him. Sheol, which if you know anything about Sheol, that's the realm of the dead where Nephilim spirits roll through all the time and come out of looking for host bodies. We won't get in that today. Meat sacks off the table today. <laughs> To the lowest depths of the pit, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? Who were the kingdoms he was shaking? There were kingdoms during this time. I'm still blown away with the text. Like, it's literally telling you. It's right there. It's right there. Yeah. There was something going on massively during this time period. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. What cities? That opened not the house of his prisoners. Huh. What prisoners? He didn't even go back to the Ajiji. Ones that pissed him off. It even said the Ajiji pissed off these Anunnaki, these fallen angels. Were they prisoners? Were they the ones that were locked up that he the was Ajiji? mad at? Yeah. What if he was mad at them? 
What if these are the humanoids? You know, I think God's scope of forgiveness is so great that he, even if he didn't have a hand in these Ajiji per se, that he would offer forgiveness there. Think about if these Ajiji connected with Cain and created this line, right? And think about the Nephilim, the Raphaim, because we know that they intermingled in human bloodlines. We know they're in human bloodlines now. Nephilim bloodlines are all through human bloodlines. I think that's why Jesus came, because Jesus said he came to save everyone. Think about that. Think about that, that his scope of forgiveness is big enough to offer forgiveness for anyone. It's not your fault that fallen angels created you. You had no hand in that. But Okay, for, but along that line, though, I mean, is there even a need for forgiveness for those created beings that he didn't create? You know, like, I mean, it, it like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like uh, my neighbor's kid. I'm like, it's not my kid. It's not my problem. True. But just seeing the way that God's always worked, right? There's a text in the book of Giants, which people attribute to the book of Enoch a lot. It's Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm. And these giants have these dreams, right? Gilgamesh is one of them, by the, by the way. And they're having these nightmares. They know the earth's going to end. They know the flood's coming. And they go to one of their father's fallen angels. He's not. He doesn't want to deal with them. So they're like, we need to talk to Enoch. Enoch's the holy one. They know. They get a hold of Enoch. Enoch comes to them with words from God. And do you know that he tells the giants that God says that they need to turn from their evil ways and repent? That's mind-blowing. Think about it. Like, think about that level. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, it really is, man, just that scope of we can't even grasp how God thinks at all. Yeah. We can't. No. No. It, it's, um, well, it, it's, it's exactly what we've been talking about this whole time is that as humans, we can't fathom the scope of what God is and the existence of God, his motives and everything right. in it. And so it's like, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. So we get back on Lucifer a little bit here because it gets really good with him, man. And I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. So again, like when Abaddon was cast down, there were cities. Like Lucifer was the light bearer. And I think that he was the light, was the light that God put here originally. Ran the Garden of Eden directed the earth. And I think it's for the Ajiji and all that, but I think that he, there were angel civilizations here. I think there were some of Mars. Um, I think that he was his right hand. He was the cherub. He was the right hand of God. God literally created him to make music as he walked. You know, and I think that in that arrogance, because he was so beautiful, that he, I want to be like God. I, I want, these other angels to worship me. <laughs> I'm next to God. I don't necessarily want to be you, but I want them to treat me like they treat you. Yeah. I think he had no delusions in beating God. He still doesn't. 
He's not going to beat God. He knows that. He's going to take down as many people as he can with him. But he's got no delusions. I never think he had delusions from the get-go. I don't think he wanted to be God. When we get that mixed up, I think he just wanted to be like God. Wanted people to treat him like God. Ed, there's something identifiable in that, I think, too, because a lot of times people, they, they struggle with envy. Mm-hmm. And that envy in the root isn't the person that has the envy saying, you know, I want to be so-and-so. It's usually, I want what so-and-so has. Right. I want that level of respect. I want that level of notoriety. I want these people to treat me like they treat them. You know, the envy, it, it, like, because you, you, I want to be me. I don't want to be you. I want to be me. I just want everybody to treat me like they treat you. Right. It's interesting. Yep. So in Ezekiel 28, 16, <laughs> and I like to read this from the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. Uh, it fleshes that out a little bit better, I think, than the King James, even though the King James does speak to this as well. But it says, you traded with other nations and became more and more cruel and evil. So I forced you to leave my mountain and the creature that had been your protector now chased you away from the jewels. He's trading merchandise with other people. Jesus calls him a thief. So what was he doing? What was he scandalously doing with other nations? And this is pre-edemic times. We're talking about times before Adam, nations, civilizations. Apparently, he was a master trader. Dealt with a lot of merchandise. I mean, his whole body was jewels. We know that. So I'm sure he had some sort of proclivity to nice things. I'd say so. (laughs) (laughs) Man. I keep coming back to thinking what happened. I know you said we're going to get to it, but man, like. Yeah. And here's the thing. You know, he says your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. There's the envy you were talking about. Yeah. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and laid you before kings that they may gaze at you. Who are these kings? Who is he laying Lucifer down at the feet of to show as an example? Who? <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. That's, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's when you're dissecting it like this and you're reading it for what it says, it is right there. Uh, the question is, and I don't know if there's an answer to this, but I mean, we can venture into, you know, hypothesizing, but like who were these other beings and, and how long were they around and were they the first or were there, was there a whole other, you know, world before that one? You know, it, it, it's at what point do you, do you actually get answers, you know, of what this was all about? And I think that we can. And, and are we meant to have those answers? I think the Bible is meant to give us a tool for connecting with our fellow man and a guidebook. I think there's so much truth in it that maybe we won't understand fully. And especially when we're talking about the Hebrew translations, I think maybe the Hebrews, I mean, obviously you start going back. I mean, they understood way more than we did mm. what happened and what, what's going on. You know, and here's a really wild concept too. We're talking about, you know, craters in the earth and how the earth's off its axis. 
you know, it says that in Luke 10, 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Well, what would happen to the earth if Lucifer hit the earth at lightning speed? Something like that. Might knock the earth off its axis. I'm not saying that was the catalyst, but it could have done something to the earth at that point too. Hmm. Could have caused some sort of disruption. I mean, it's just an idea, right? Like yeah. it, we're, we're searching for the truth. We can take from the text, we can take from other cultures, and we can try to piece this together. Because one thing I do know is that there's been a battle waging for a long time over eons of time, not just this little scope from Adam to us. It's been going on for a long time. And guess what? There was eons before that where everything was all right. Lucifer was just chilling. Everything was cool. Kosher, copacetic. We don't know what life was like then either. We don't even know what existed during that time. I think Bigfoot's been around for all of it. I think they literally, like, they're, they've just been around forever. You know, like the, the old cryptid. Nobody even talks about them anymore either, man. Everybody's <laughs> all about Dogman and stuff now. <laughs> I, think, I think Bigfoot's just like, they, ah, Bigfoot, whatever, man. And they're like, man, we've seen it all. <laughs> History's historians. <laughs> if you look at Hebrews 11.3, through faith, we understand that the worlds can mean, and in the Hebrew, it's aeonis, can mean any long period. Eons is what it's normally translated to. That the eons were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Talking eons of time. And listen, man, these guys knew what these words were when they wrote them. They didn't just write something down and, and well, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to put it down. That going to mean anything to anybody later. We're talking about the Garden of Eden. How Lucifer was in the garden. Ezekiel 28, 13. Thou hast been in the Eden, the garden of God. In the CEV, it says you lived in the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. He's walking around the garden making noise. So the Garden of Eden was clearly long before Adam. Lucifer was in it, making music as he walked through it. I think Lucifer's the caretaker. Maintenance man. The original caretaker, because how big of a shot would that be to you if you created man after your image to run something that you used to run? Bringing in the new, bringing in the new, the new, the, the new employee <sighs> who, who, who's, who's set to do your job better, but you're looking at that employee like, that? <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess i'd be pissed too i mean it it, it just makes sense right and, and it's and again it's there in the text so we, we want to get into a little bit of kind of the proof of why we think the earth's older i mean different cultures have spoken about civilizations in the past i talked about atlantis plato Talked about Atlantis and the Greeks. He's the one that brought that up. Lemuria, which is really wild. 
Um, that was actually pushed by Helena Blavatsky, and Blavatsky brought in Theosophy, which the Theosophists were the precursor to Aleister Crowley, and they were very privy to a lot of ancient knowledge and a lot of hidden knowledges, and she brought that up too. You got like Mu, the land of Mu, which a lot of people connect to Atlantis as well. Shambhala, which the Buddhists and Hindus talk about. Shangri-La, which was put out as a fictional place originally, but then you went to Tibetan scriptures and you see that it was also a place, and these were all ancient places of pre-Edemic times. So every culture has talked about this, except for somehow modern-day Christians who have just like, nah, man, 6,000 years, man, you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Why is it so hard for for people to... To consider it because of evolution. I think that they think if they take on board the fact that the earth is billions of years old, that they're conceding to evolution, mm. which is not the fact. I don't think that's the case at all. You're just, what you're doing though is you're opening your mind to thoughts that you didn't have before, and it's scary. It's scary for most people, especially when you've, and I'm going to say this word, indoctrinated your whole life. And that can be in the church too. You can be indoctrinated in the church by people who think they're doing the right thing because they were indoctrinated before that. Mm. And you trek it all the way back to the Roman Catholics. I'm like, okay. And again, for any Catholics, listen, I'm not saying all Catholics are bad. I'm just saying that they have a history of some not so great things from the beginning. Constantine, all that. (laughs) (laughs) Think about this. In 1929, the Piri Reis map was discovered in Istanbul, Istanbul's the Copy Palace, and it showed a map. It's an old map of Antarctica before the ice. A real map. Tropical, right? Yes. And it was carbon dated back to 1513. So this is before the continent was even mainstream found. Mm-hmm. All kind of different countries and stuff on it, different cities. All that. I think these were ancient civilizations. I think this is a map of somebody that knew about what was going on before. Again, man, time and time again, we're finding these, these you, different levels of what people knew. Do you think that uh, Antarctica, because of that, I mean, 1500 is not too long ago. No. I mean, Grant's coming, right? We're talking about billions of years. 1500 is not that right. long ago. Uh, do you think that's why we have a current times of uh, world powers that keep people from going to Antarctica? I mean, we have, uh, I, I, I don't know what it's called. I don't even know if it has a name or if it's a treaty or what, but like all these different countries that, you know, own or have stake in Antarctica, but it's not like you or I. It's a treaty. There's a treaty. It's a treaty. Yeah. Point. So, I mean, it's, but we can't just go and just roam around. There's a piece go. that we can go to. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But we just can't go chill and just do right. whatever we want to do. Uh, and I know flat earthers want to believe that this is the ice wall and that's across the ice wall. You're going to yeah. get on these other lands and stuff. I'm going to throw a concept out there that I've been playing around with for the past year. Let's say the earth's round. What if, what if there's, what if it's not the size that we think it is? What if it's far bigger than we think it is? What if we are trapped in an ice wall and there's like other lands in a giant globe? We don't know. We only know what people have told us. I'm just throwing that out there. Especially if you're looking at other lands, you know, it just seems to be even in this map here, there's other lands. We don't know, man. 
Hmm. We can't even get into space to look back at the earth and know what's really going on there too. We only know what pictures they've given us. It's just a concept I thought of that kind of merged the two because I always try to think about what's truthful in both spectrums when I'm looking at things. Yeah. Because there's indoctrinating on both sides. But I think there's some pieces of concepts that, that hold true that, yeah, NASA lies to us a lot. We know that. That's, that's without a shadow of a doubt. They don't want us to know what's going on. Chill, man. Chill. I ain't trying to get... <laughs> <laughs> NASA's great. Chill, bro. I love them to death. Love them. <laughs> yeah, but there's been plenty of things that have been found that have showed how there was ancient artifacts from ages ago. And they actually call them Uparts. O-O-P-A-R-T-S. Out-of-place artifacts is what they're called. So, like, say that there's an archaeologist out somewhere and they're digging up something. And they find something, but it's really out of place. Wait a minute. This carbon dating is not adding up. Like, this is a very technologically advanced tool that should not match up with this time. Why is it here? Let me get to the Smithsonian real quick and we'll hide in the back. That's what they do. <laughs> they call them Uparts because they'll find them and then there'll be some level of it getting out to the public and then it just disappears. Disappears. In 1870, there was a medallion discovered while dr drilling at a well in Illinois. It had strange lettering and it had lion and horse-like creatures on it and this was dated back 150,000 years ago. I'm talking a coin. So this blows that out of the water right there. Where's like the, the time where's period. The coin? Where's the coin? It's disappeared. Disappeared? They all do. When did they discover it? Uh, 1870. They discovered it. Wow. Wow. Do you know where in Illinois? Lawn Ridge. How close is that to Chicago? I don't know. You don't know? I have to look. I'll look it up while you're talking. I just, I'm probably not going to make it into the show. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you went Long Ridge? Long Ridge. And there's other stuff that was found in Illinois too. In 1851, in Whiteside County, two copper artifacts that resembled a hook and a ring, clearly created by something with intelligence. And it was around 150,000 years ago. Wow. Here's a really good one too, man. You start getting, this is when, this is when the Uparts really start disappearing. So in Utah, they were digging up fossils. And you know how they'll find footprints and fossils sometimes or dinosaur prints and fossils sometimes and this type of thing. Yeah. They found a stone sandal footprint. Oh, a stone sandal footprint. Yes. 600 million years That's old. wild. And it That's disappeared. Wild. Disappeared. That's wild. Yo, that's wild. I mean, you would think that that it just shows you everything's narrative driven because you would All think narrative. that like it like <sighs> you were like, oh well see, human beings were, were were like I don't know, man. Like it just it it just seems like if you were approaching this from a, a more pure let's understand our history. That should be something celebrated and like, whoa, you know, and, and talked about, but it's hidden because it doesn't fit the evolutionary, right? That's, Correct. That's why it's hidden? That's why it's hidden. It's yeah. kind of like giant bones, same thing. It's hidden because they don't want us to know the actual truth of our past, of our history. You know, if we, uh, if we, and I think we are nearing a time, even people that aren't believers in Yahweh, but I think people are waking up to a spiritual awakening in general. They don't know exactly what they're waking up to, but you ask most people now, you don't hear as many people talking about atheism as, the, as it used to be. Mm. 
way more like something's going on. God believe in something, man. It, it just, God believe in something. I think people are getting there because like yeah. they know something's not right or there's something more than just, you know, flesh and blood and we evolve from some big bang, which makes absolutely no sense at all. Again, evolution is a theory. Let's say that. It is a theory. It's, it's still quoted as a theory. So it's not a fact. So again, if you want to push back on somebody that comes with a biblical narrative and say that's a theory, well, you got to say yours is a theory too because none of us were back then. So you can't say that what you think is, is fact. You know, again, there's no proof of evolution. There's no, I don't know, they want to, I know people want to say that there is. There's not. There's no proof of species changing because if there's fossilized bones of animals that we can find all the time. Well, why aren't we finding so many of them like mer like changing? We don't, we never find that like the quote unquote missing link, even though they say they have some, but they're what, like four or five. And that's probably more, but you know, I'm just making a point. Yeah. Like it just, there's a lot that doesn't add up and what it's going on with these giant bones. Again, that would totally disprove it. Check this out. 1938 in Rockcastle, Kentucky, they found I'm sorry, this was in Turkey in 1970. Human footprints discovered in volcanic ash that 250,000 years ago. They're, they're finding all these footprints and fossils from millions of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I was right about the Kentucky one. 10 humanoid prints 250 million years ago in the rock. Scientist finds it, head of the geology department, he's blown away. It's just shaking him to the core. It's in 1938. He brings it to, to the people, these uparts, these out-of-place artifacts, disappear. What the, like, all right, so this story, they, what, they found these prints in so like Wilbur, a rock wall or what? Wilbur Burroughs found them in sandstone at a farm. And when he carbon dated them, it was 250 million years old. And he even tested it to see if anybody had used objects to cut into the rock to make them. No evidence of it. He said, no, these were actual fossilized prints of something humanoid. That was from 250 million years ago. So, hey, this is blowing the Mainstream creationists and the evolutionists out of the water. <laughs> it's pissing everybody off. Pissing everybody <laughs> off because it's not adding up. But Equal if, opportunist. But if we start looking at pre-Adamite man in old earth, civilizations long, long eons and eons before us, it starts making sense, Tony. This is one of the best ones, though, that I've ever heard. So... At Glen Close Rose Formation in Texas, they found human footprints next to dinosaur footprints. And they were dated the same era. So again, this is disproven evolution and also disproven the mainstream creation theories because how's that happening? So guess, guess, what, guess what ends up happening here? There was even what looked like on one of the prints, like a moccasin. So it looked like they, it was actually wearing a shoe. 
as well. So clearly these humanoids from millions of years ago had technology. They understood how to make clothes. They had, again, I think they had technology far beyond us. So guess what happens, Tony? By 1986, (laughs) when you go back and look at it, somehow the human prints changed into three-pronged dinosaur prints. Somebody went in and tampered with it and changed it and said, no, no, these are all dinosaur prints. When the original pictures showed humanoid prints next to dinosaur prints, okay, they changed over time. I was because I'm, I'm trying to find pictures here. And you won't. I, yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 Uh, Glen Rose, Texas. You said. Yep. Yeah. So I see there's a picture here uh, that has a, a dinosaur and a human print. I don't know if it's if it's the. You can find some old stuff if you dig enough, but it's so tough to find now. But now what they're pushing out of that place now is not at all what's wow. going on now. Is this a place that you can go visit and see for yourself? You know, I don't know, to be honest with you, off the top of my head. I don't know if you still can or not. I, I think so, you know, from what I was reading. But, you know, again, Jeez. this is just me checking it out. But the fact that they went and li- this is how vehement these elites are. These people are above us that don't want us to know the truth. And I think it's on both ends. You got people that infiltrated the church, Tony, that are given this one narrative. And you got people on the opposite end given this other crazy narrative too. So now we're trapped. Like we got to pick sides. Here we are picking sides again when really it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we're billions of years. We don't know what happened before Adam. We know some from the text that I read that there was an earth that Lucifer had rule over. He ruled the garden. We know that there was nations. We know that there were people of some sort. I think angels were way more active as far as physically like on Earth and Mars and Rahab, which we'll get into in a second. And we were just talking about dinosaurs. So I've I've been doing some digging on dinosaurs and I know people have their own theories about what they think dinosaurs are. Some people think they're fake. They think all the bones are fake in in the museums, which to their point, a lot of them aren't real because they do put out plaster. They keep the real ones behind the scenes. So that's what they tell us. Now, there are some bones that they have brought out. We do know there are some bones that exist. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think dinosaurs exist. What I am going to say is that I don't think we know what they were. And as we're talking about fallen angels and DNA manipulation, what if dinosaurs were just abominations that fallen angels created? During an old time. Yeah. Because they're, they're just odd-shaped creatures, man. Giant heads, little bodies. They don't make a lot of sense, right? So, And it said they had small brains. We don't know that for sure, but it said they had small brains. Well, there's been some theories that what if fallen angels used them to avatar in battle? Because they had small brains, they were able to manipulate them in battle and use them as like, battle creatures in a, in, in, in a time before Adam where you had wars going on. You think when Lucifer had his falling out with God, he kind of set up shop. He kind of started creating his empire, right? He got humiliated. God put him before the kings, whoever these kings were, humiliated him. Think about it. You ran the garden. You were God's right-hand man. And God's like, no, you're not. Boom, right in front of all these kings, these kingdoms around earth oh he's coming back 
with a fury now. He's going to find a way to manipulate whoever's there. So I, I think that dinosaurs were or something to do with fallen angels. And, you know, it, it was because they are all dated so far back. And I'm not saying dinosaurs didn't exist after Adam, because I think there, there's some of that too. I think because when you're talking about the Nephilim being created and more DNA splicing and all that, I think there was probably another resurgence. We do know that some probably existed after the flood too, because I mean, dude, what? People said they've seen them in deep jungles places and all, you talk about pterodactyls being, you know, up in uh, uh, PA. PA, West Virginia. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're not saying they don't still exist. There's probably some element to that for sure. And if we're talking about the veil thinning, maybe other dimensionally, I talk about my portal baby theory, how I think that maybe they shifted them off into another dimension when these cataclysms happened. For sure they did. So I think dinosaurs, in my opinion, that they were created by fallen angels, whether it was by some sort of intercourse with some sort of animal that was around then, or they were just using DNA splicing. I think. I think Vaughn Angels was like scientists. I think they tinker around and they do whatever they can to manipulate and change things to their, their idea of what they want to corrupt, right? I mean, Enoch, Enoch talks about it. Enoch 7, 5, and they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and devour one another's flesh and drink blood. So we know that they were messing with all sorts of animals, not just humans. They weren't just creating yeah. giants. I mean, even, even NBC New York did a whole piece on how dinosaur bones aren't necessarily real. Really? I watched the whole thing the other day too, man, because I was getting ready for this and I would happen to run across it. Let me watch this. And then they tried to spin it and say that, well, they have to do that because they got to protect these bones in the back. And I'm like, yeah, but I just kind of feel like you don't want to tell what they really are. I think we really saw the setup of them and what they were. I think dragon's probably a good way to think about some of them too. We don't know if they had wings or not. A lot of them were built like they could. I think T-Rex is kind of built like he could have wings. See how those little arms, like, were they really arms, though? Were they wings? Mm. Seems like he would be a way more uh, adept at battle or fighting with, you know, wings attached to a body like that. That's interesting. If you take the arms off of, off of T-Rex and you replace it with wings, kind of makes as much sense as those little tiny stick arms that, right. <laughs> that they said the thing had, you know? Right. And here's the thing. We, this is how much we don't know about dinosaurs. So dinos, the word dinosaur didn't even come around until like the, the mid-1800s. It didn't even, didn't even start. Richard Owen coined it. it. What'd they call these things? Nothing. We don't even know what they called these things at all. They were uh, terrible lizards, I think, was like a word that was thrown around. But it, wasn't, it was some of the version of that. Terrible lizards. lizards. Yeah, something along those lines. So up to the 1800s, we never bothered coming up with a name or for... Or we didn't really... Again, we only know what we've been told through people that teach history. Right. It's kind of like they just appeared during that time. Like, all of a sudden, dinosaurs became huge. Because that's when the... Do you ever heard, have you ever heard about the Bone Wars? You know about the Bone Wars? I don't know about the Bone Wars, but I do know that that is a... Um, the dinosaurs just popping up in history like that. So, I think- 1877 to 18, uh, it started in 1872, right? And it went on till like the late 1800s. Um, there were two, two gentlemen that really got going with it. You had, um, he's from Yale. Um, you got O.C. Marsh and then Edward Drinker Cope of the University of uh, Philadelphia, and they were both paleontologists. 
but their whole goal was to what up each other. So during this time, it was like a ruthless time. They called it the Bone Wars. And all they were doing was getting as many dinosaur bones as they could find and selling them to museums. So they were doing whatever they could to do that. And they hated each other. So, you know, they would find dinosaur bones. And if they couldn't retrieve them quick enough, they would tell the guys on site to go ahead and break them and, and, and mess them up so the other guy couldn't come get them. Oh, my God. <laughs> but this is where the majority of our bones come from was these bone wars that so, we have now. So, I mean, and, and they're paleontologists. Yes, they were paleontologists. I mean, that's like, and you're telling me I should, I should trust these people? Right. <laughs> like, like, they're willing to break up things like that just out of their own greed. This will blow your mind even more. And this will let you know why some people think that dinosaur bones are fake, right? It's the wild. people that do believe that they're fake. So in 1877, Marsh found a partial skeleton of a long neck leaf-eating dinosaur, right? Yeah, they think it was a apatosaurus is what they, they think that it was. Well, he didn't have a head for it. So he literally took the head from another dinosaur, put it on it. Do you know what that dinosaur became? The brontosaurus. The brontosaurus isn't even a real dinosaur, and it came out within the past several, like, I don't know, 30 years or so. It wasn't real. But you know how many movies and how many films and how many things have been put out, even toys of brontosaurus that they still sell today. It's not even a real dinosaur, and that's coming out of mainstream science. That was a mess up. It was a fluke. It wasn't right. He wow. put it out, though, because he had to have a head on it to sell it to this to these museums to get this money and to get his fame because they were all about fame they were paleontologists so the more they discovered the more fame they got they were in a war with each other so how much of this these things put together that we that we see hanging up in these museums aren't even real that right there is a mainstream story that's this is not a conspiracy theory or a conspiracy it's real it's out in mainstream science so all right i mean how does this tie in with old earth are dinosaurs actually from old earth or are they Something that is, I think that they are both. I think that dinosaurs, when you see them, they're predated back. I do believe that they existed in a time in, in old earth. Mm. I think that they were created by fallen angels. I think they were definitely using some sort of battle sequences, man. This may be what they consider dragons. Um, I don't know. We don't know what they look like. All we know is, is they have traits like birds. Do you know that birds are called avian dinosaurs? They're not actually birds in the scientific community. They're built like dinosaurs. Yeah. So what if birds was the concept that fallen angels started with to start splicing from to create these dinosaurs? And that would make more sense too when they're talking about dinosaurs actually had feathers, not scales, because they weren't reptiles. People confuse that a lot. So, uh, and that kind of goes into what I was talking with uh, on the other show with Pat Spain a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. Hunting Legends. We were talking about cloning and we were talking about how they're bringing back the woolly mammoth. And he said that they're not actually bringing back the woolly mammoth. They're bringing back something that they're creating in a lab that's kind of like the woolly mammoth, but it's not totally the woolly mammoth. And that's kind of the same thing as what you're talking about, where it's like they got these birds so from the birds, let's create these things that are kind of like it, but bigger and better and what we need it to be. So Jasher, in the book of Jasher 418, it talks about this in particular. And the sons of men in those days took from the cattle of the earth and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and taught the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order therewith to provoke the Lord. Mm. So they, they were doing it clearly back then. They were splicing DNA. They were creating these things. You were just talking about scientists that are 
trying to reverse the process from chicken. Well, guess what else they're trying to reverse the process from chicken? Dinosaurs. Jack Horner, paleontologist that everybody knows, they call him the Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. Everybody, you know, when they hear him talk, he's like the Alan Grant. I watched a whole like TED talk where he was talking about how that they are from the chicken. They are reverting. They're going to revert it back to a dinosaur. Because inside of the embryo, it's got several features like a dinosaur. It's still got a tail, a long tail. The hands are very much like a velociraptor. And they feel like with just some tweaks, sounds familiar, just some tweaks. Think about old earth, fallen angels. Hey, man, we're just going to tweak it up a little bit. We don't even know what kind of giant birds were back then, man. I think the further we go back in time, the bigger stuff was too. Yeah. So what if you're just tweaking up that bird egg, that embryo? Go make these these monolithic monsters. Uh, you know, I've I've even read recently where these dinosaurs or these monsters that died back then, they could even be demons now. Ah, I'd take that one in. Wow. That's a new one. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That was when I just ran across recently where it like blew my mind back. I'm like, you know, that's if it's created by like these fallen angels. And I mean, that's one were human to begin with either. And I mean, they, it, they were part it, human. And it fought against God, you know, because there, there's different huh. texts where things seem like, you know, even the Leviathan in the Bible seems like it turns on God at some point because it talks about God. In, the, in Revelation, killing Leviathan. But early on, it talks about Leviathan being something that shows God's power. So I think there's these animals who have intelligence who make their own choice too. We don't know, man. Again, we're playing in a field that we don't know a lot about and we're just trying to discover the truth. This is wild. <laughs> this is wild. This is wild stuff. I, I, I'm trying to sit. I'm sitting here thinking. I wonder what the people are thinking right now. Like, what? What? How are they perceiving this? This? <laughs> this information. Uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting. This is interesting. So I know that you wanted to know. You know what happened? What happened to old Earth? How did it get destroyed? What? What was the catalyst that? Got it destroyed. And I'm going to start with a little bit of Indian knowledge. And we're going to talk about the uh, Mahabharata. We're going to talk about the Samarangana Sutradhara, the Ramayana. These are texts that the Indians wrote. But again, it talks about a time before time. Like a whole different spectrum of time. And one of the vehicles that these texts talk about is called a vimana. So the vimana was like a giant, it looked like almost like a palace, but it could fly. It could shoot projectiles out of it. Sounds a lot like a spaceship, right? But these texts actually talk about it. The Samarangata Sutra Hara spends 250 stanzas talking about how to build it, what it's fueled with, how it works. 
if it's got some, it even talks about if a bird hits it while it's in flight, what to do with the technology inside. That's how deep this went. And these are old texts, man, where they're talking about what these vehicles did back then. But these vehicles are also tied to beings of light. Heavenly beings that came down on these vehicles and took humanoids up with them, connected with humanoids during this time. Wow, nothing changes, huh? No, nothing, nothing changes, man. And this is back then. But these Vimanas were just like massively powerful. I mean, they were said to have nuclear technology on them or what, cons- what we could wrap our minds around being nuclear technology. Mm. Like we don't really, you know, we, we have nuclear technology, but we don't understand what that means in the scope of that. But as far as decimation goes, uh, these vehicles could, could do that. And the thought is fallen angels had inter, inter, planetary locations for their dwellings. And we're going to get into that too. We're going to talk about Mars civilizations. We're going to talk about Rahab, which I love Rahab. It's a, it's a wild rabbit hole there. But I think these Vimanas connected with people on Earth, took people to these interplanetary locations or whatever these humanoids were, the pre-Adamite men. I think these civilizations existed on other planets. Listen, we know that Mars sustained life at one time. It sustains some sort of life now. We know that. At least what they're telling us. You know, I think the original pictures from NASA were, were true. I know a lot of people want to say they were fake, but I actually think they were true. I think that was a level of truth that they shot out to us right there. They showed the pyramids on Mars. They showed that weird, like, Sphinx face-looking thing that was there. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to show us that, yeah, no, there's, there was civilizations on Mars. I think there were angelic civilizations. I think maybe, maybe... We talk about God's grace and forgiveness. You know, what if the Ajiji like were, you know, built to be slaves for these fallen angels and they got out of that and they connected with God's side of things and they built civilizations in a whole nother spectrum. We don't know. Stone ideas out there, but I like them. I like, I like the scope of like what things could be before. Mm-hmm. We know there were nations. We know there were civilizations. Matter of fact, God threw Lucifer, like we said before, before the kings. It didn't seem like God had a lot of beef with the kings, right? I don't think so. We don't know what that was. Maybe God created them. Maybe we were the first created in his image, but maybe he created these other humanoids. We don't know what that means either. But what, what if these other, like you, you mentioned about these kings, like what, what if they were, uh, like, like how I was talking about uh, the other Elohim? possible you know like maybe maybe he th- he threw him down before these other kings these other elohim and uh i don't know it's i mean it plays definitely into the supernatural realm of what i think goes on in different hierarchies within the god structure that we don't know about mm. it could be you know supernatural it could have been supernatural civilization that lived during that time it could have even been before like the pre-adamite man <laughs> we don't know Again, we don't know how it works exactly. But you think about like the Vimanas, I mean, in, in the law of the Babylonians, it says, and it speaks about Vimanas, but not in the word Vimana, but it says the privilege of operating a flying machine is great. The knowledge of flight is among the most ancient of our inheritances, a gift 
from those upon high. Mm-hmm. We receive it from them as means of saving many lives. So again, here is the fallen angels. Hey, we give them these technology. It sure save lives though. But it's super powerful and kill a bunch of people. <laughs> wow. And you, and, you break, and you break down even in Enoch because Enoch breaks down fallen angels and what they did. We talk about Azazel. He taught men how to make swords, knives, shields, breastplates. You got these fallen angels that are teaching humans different things. Well, why weren't they teaching these humanoids before different things? Why weren't they involved in these battles before these things? Eons before Adam. Yeah, I think they had a concerted effort when Adam came along to be like, uh-uh, we know what's coming through Adam. It says it in the stars. We know, we know what's coming from Adam. We know that Christ is coming through Adam. We need to do whatever we can to disrupt this. Absolutely, they had, a, had an effort. But I think their effort started before that because of the anger of Lucifer. He just got, he just got mocked in front of kings. He was the right hand. He's been pissed off for a long time, man. Real long time. <laughs> Real long time. That's another thing that people don't, I don't think, grab the scope of is the time, the length of time that he has been around right. and active. Uh, I think you, you said something earlier about, uh, you, you didn't bring it up, but it, it made me feel like you were, you were referencing about like uh, Satan and how, um, I don't know if you said he wasn't stupid or what, but like, like, like he's been around a long time. He's been scheming a long time. Like this is something that like- Eons. He ain't dumb. He ain't no. dumb, and he, he like like you were you're, that's what you were talking about like how he knew what was coming like because you were talking about it before that written in the stars and it's just like like I think a lot of times people feel like they, they, the way they talk sometimes it's like ah oh, he's a, clearly an idiot because who who would think that they could take down God right and, you know and and you're like well kind of wanted to be treated like God didn't really want to and I keep be, saying that it was spoken about in the stars and if you look at the hebrew and i don't like using this word at all because it's not that but zodiac the maseroth the maseroth which is talked about in the book of jasher um the maseroth spoke to the coming of christ but the fallen angels take something that's good and they move it into this astrological zodiac that is going to we need to hold tight to because I'm a Virgo and I need to be doing this because I got to connect with this Aquarius a certain way or my life's not going to be good. They moved it into that because they knew that this Maseroth spoke of the coming of Christ. Hmm. The stars told it. That's what the Hebrew understood of what it meant. It wasn't something that we worship. We don't worship these items, but we understand that these are signs that are given to us. And think about how long those had been there Long before Adam, that could have even been a catalyst too for Lucifer. Seeing it in the stars, knew what was coming. So not there. Hmm. So back to these Vimanas. So in the Mahabharata, it talks about the earth shook, scorched by the terrible heat of this weapon. Elephants burst into flames and ran to and fro in frenzy, seeking a protection from terror. So we know this thing could literally just scorch the earth. So if you think about a battle going on, and a bunch of these Vimanas are going at it, Mars, space, here on Earth, scorching everything up. 
I mean, there might not be much of an Earth left for one if you had a big battle with these vehicles. And they're talked about so, so many different times. I mean, dude, even Oppenheimer, who created the atomic bomb, he even believed that the atomic bomb wasn't the first the world had seen. He said there was a time before that there were weapons of mass destruction that existed long before. And I think before Adam. Long before that time. Do you know that we were talking about magic earlier, right? And how our scope of understanding of what that means. Like, you know, I think that, that there's a connection with God and what we had a connection with the earth at that time and what we could understand of how to operate it. And I think fallen angels came along and messed with that and changed it up. What about before Adam? What about that scope of those humanoids and what they understood during that time too? I mean, we could even talk about back to Indian, these texts. Um, they even talk about chakra weapons. So if you know anything about chakras, that's like meditation, right? People that meditate, uh, you got like your root, your sacral, solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, pineal, and the crown chakras. You know, they, they generally tell you like when you're meditating, you start from your root and work your way up and it helps you align everything. I do think this was given to us by fallen angels as like a way to connect with something that's not God. And I can tell you even my past when I meditated, I meditated for a reason to connect to entities and it definitely did. It definitely worked in that angle. Now, I think, I don't think everybody that uses it is using it for that reason, but I think you open yourself up to um, some negative energy there, some, some fallen angels or demonic entities because you're using a technique that was given to man from not a godly source, right? So, but these chakras in, in India were different, like, the, like in the past. It wasn't about meditating so much as when they connected to these chakras, dude, they could literally drop fire from the heaven with their minds in battle. So they're connecting to this energy through these chakras and they're literally scorching the earth. It's basically, so if you know anything about uh, when you meditate, you're chanting these mantras, which I always think that's super demonic when you're chanting some mantra that's been passed down through generations that doesn't come from God. But again, people do it. That's cool. I don't think everybody's doing this, trying to be demonic or you know go down that road. I just think it comes from a place that's not necessarily that great. And this kind of proves it to me too, because these keywords and mantras that are uttered could change the earth's composition, change heat wave and massive rays that would be released into the air. Cloud rays and heat would concentrate and literally like drop bombs from, from this area that they created. And the only way to stop it was to chant some other mantra and stop it. And we're talking about technology that people in the past understood that we don't. Imagine a battlefield of people that are using their minds with mantras. That would seem like sorcery to us. Yeah. If people were dropping like bombs on each other and it became some heated battle. And we don't know what angelic beings were doing as well. We don't know how much of that too. Like, you know, it, there's a level of it too that God protects, you know, during these things. You know, obviously they corrupted something that was good. So what part of that was good that we don't know about that early man, man for Adam, or even man after Adam understood that we don't about the earth? Back to that, how much of our brain do we actually use now comparative to back then? That was connected to a spiritual realm. Hmm. We were never supposed to be this disconnected spiritually, Tony. Never. 
We talked about Eden being in this other realm, this other dimension where it was easily for Adam to walk between the dimensions. The veil was lifted completely. It was a part of the earth. Well, if that's the case, if he's that connected to spirituality, how much, how many other things could he do that would be absolute sorcery to us if we saw? Well, we're actually good. We don't know. But we've got some of these texts that even in extracurricular biblical texts where they're talking about people using keywords, these vimanas were powered up using chakras, mantras. It wasn't they went in and touched some buttons. They were chanting and uttering things to power it up. That comes from fallen angel technology. Think about, I know where you're going, Enochian, Enochian language, powering up vehicles. It plays right into this concept of give a shout out to my buddy Juan Ayala from the One on One podcast and alchemical means of powering things with your mind. I think that's something that early man knew way more than we did. Mm. And I don't think all of it was bad. I think God created us to be connected spiritually. I just think there's another side to it that came along and disrupted it. Didn't Bob Lazar talk about this with his uh, time at Area 51? He says that he worked on the, these craft, and I, I, I feel like he talked about these things. Like there, there wasn't like mechanical uh, devices inside that you use to to fly these things. It was more. Uh, I, I I might be wrong on Bob Lazar, but I, I feel like somebody was talking about how something or these beings or something is sitting inside these craft and it's connecting with the being itself in order for it to fly these things. It's not necessarily like a joystick kind of thing, which would be right with this 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 idea. Well, if you look at the Bob Lazar models, though, there's not really like a control board. You're right. just going in and kind of sitting in this like chair because he'll show you how it was built. And it and to me, it seems like it was more of a telepathy mind thing that they connected to. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense if you're using some mantras or language that you didn't understand to power something up. In the book of Enoch, it talks about the fallen angel Amaros was the teacher of enchantments and taught the resolving of enchantments. So we just talked about how that you would utter certain things to make things happen and then utter them to make them stop. Mm-hmm. Book of Enoch talks about it. There was a fallen angel that specifically taught mankind how to do that. Mm-hmm. So again, I think there's always this like antithesis of what the fallen angels do. They take something good and corrupt it. So then I started thinking like, well, there's got to be a good side to it too. There had to be a side that God presented us with, even Adam was connected with, or even pre-Adamite man was connected with, or whatever, angelically, an angelic language. It's just corrupted, right? If they're using it in a corrupted way, it will come off corrupted, but it doesn't mean that it didn't exist in a godly state. You got to think about that too. I think that's something that we always flip out about. We think about like magic and everything and this alchemy. And like, yeah, there's a negative connotation to a lot of it. But when you think about this other like spiritual side of it, I think that we have been trained to as mainstream Christians to get away from the spiritual connectivity that God always wanted us to have. Think about the miracles of Jesus. Come on. 
He was doing crazy stuff in front of people, blowing their minds. He told the, you know what he told the 12 disciples? You can do this too. <laughs> yeah, he told them legitimately they could do it too. It's right there. Yeah. But we choose not to see it. We, we, we choose to box and cage our minds in into this place. So there's been mysterious glass found in deserts where they think there's been these massive battles, right? Um, in King Tut's tomb, they found a mysterious like necklace in his tomb, and it was a glass derived from an igni- igni- sorry, ignomatic source, which means it's the source they don't know where it came from. They don't know what this glass is, and they started looking at it, and they said it was intermingled with sand in the Sahara Desert, but it didn't explain the glass itself. And as they looked at it, it had to be created with temperatures so high to even create it. And there's been multiple places in deserts where this glass is found, and it had to be with heat beyond belief. Now, the mainstream evolutionists or mainstream scientists are going to tell you that it came from when meteors hit the earth. So I don't think that's necessarily false, and I'll get into that little piece of it too, but I think some of these battles that happen, you got these Vimanas or these mantra battles out in these places, roasted things to the point that it created this glass. The heat was so high. And if this happened in old earth during that time, I mean, even after the earth was covered with water and God brought the earth back up, the glass is still going to be there. There's still stuff in, in the earth. So it still makes sense in that concept. But I thought that was really interesting. And it's actually said on the dark side of the moon that that glass exists there too. Hmm. That they've seen that glass. And I'm not going to get to why that that glass could possibly be on the opposite side of the moon. And we're going to get one of my favorite subjects, Planet Rahab. Which planet Rahab is just such an interesting concept, and it's all through the Bible, which is really nuts. There's this planet that I believe, and there's several scholars that have dug into this, that this was the home base of Lucifer. This is where he really set up shop when he was like kicked out of the garden and he was told, you know, look, you're out. He set up shop here. This was his home base. And it existed between Mars and Jupiter. Now, I'm going to talk about Bode's Law because it'll make this make sense to people that are like, there's no winner, there's a planet there. Like, there's no proof of that. Bode's Law is a hypothesis that states that the bodies in some orbital system, including the suns, orbit a semi-major axis in a function of a planetary sequence. So what that means is the formula extending outward each planet would be approximately twice as far from the sun as the previous planet. So as you're doing that, there's a planet missing between Mars and Jupiter. But you know what does exist there? An asteroid belt full of giant rocks that exist between these two planets. So it runs 500 miles across an asteroid belt, debris that's just there. You got all these planets aligned, but where this other planet's supposed to be, according to Bode's law, it's not there. But there's rocks everywhere. So that makes you think there, okay, 
I got to at least wrap my mind on the concept, like what was there? Because there's an asteroid belt there. Some, something probably was destroyed. It, at least in my mind, it kind of makes sense to me that there could have been something there. How big is it? 500 miles? 500. And so, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're talking about, I guess, the remnants of a, of a planet, mm-hmm. uh, it, would, it would make sense that not all the remnants are going to be there. No. 500 miles seems very small, though, right? It does. It does seem small. And I don't think the planet was small at all. Mm. But I think when the planet was destroyed, I think meteors, rocks, hit everything in its path. You look at the backside of the moon, the dark side of the moon, because we're in like a, it's in orbital sync with us, right? So we only see the front because the way that it's tidally locked to us. Similar to the moon that's with Mars, it's also tidally locked. But when we've looked at pictures of the dark side of the moon or pictures of that moon as well and mars itself craters everywhere massive amounts of destruction all over the moon all over mars all over the back side of that moon but then you look at the other side it's nothing it's smooth it, it, it's it's barely anything not comparative to the to the back side which is like scarred and dark so it makes sense from that aspect if you've got giant rocks hitting all of these planets like away from it, hmm. then it could be destroyed. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, that kind of gives location as to where the remnants went. I mean, if it's smacking all these different planets and the moon and stuff like that. Right. We're lucky we have a, the atmosphere to burn that stuff up. I wonder how many, I wonder how many uh, giant pieces would have made it through to hit us. Hard to say how much of it was blocked by the other planets. Um, I think, I think we definitely got hit up though. I think that, that could have been like that final piece that turned the earth over into that dark, you know, the void, darkness and void. So you're saying that, that it could be, could be, could be why the, the earth was formless and void. Correct. Because it was smacked upside the head a lot with the meteors. I think that. Lucifer ran that planet and something escalated to the point where God was just like, I'm blowing this thing up. And everything, <laughs> there was a fallout from that. Jeez. And I think that's where you're going to get some of that idea of meteors from. And back to evolutionary theory, where like not all of it's wrong. I like some of that meteor stuff. There's plenty of evidence on our own earth right now of giant craters all over the earth. Yeah of some sort of cataclysm happening before Noah's flood. So I think that this is absolutely something that, that could have happened. Now you wonder, okay, people are going to ask, where are you getting this Rahab stuff from? Where's the, the biblical proof or where's the proof, right? So really you get some of it from Job, Job 26, 11. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding, he smiteth through the proud. So that's the King James Version, right? So in Hebrew, though, that last word proud is translated to Rahab. And in that, that is a place that's not being boastful or proud. It's not a feeling. It is an actual place. 
It means to disturb the sea with his power and understanding or discernment to shatter a boasting prideful Rahab, a place. Psalm 89.10 says, Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces. As one that is slain, thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. So again, something, this place called Rahab, and in the Hebrew, it's a place, is being destroyed in pieces. Mm. Goes into the asteroid belt, Mm -hmm. these pieces. Isaiah 51, 9, awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as in the ancient of days and the generations of old. Art thou not, it hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon. Cut Rahab and wounded the dragon. So, dragon being Satan, I'm assuming. Dragon being Satan. And we know that dragon piece also comes from Revelation 12, 9, where that's the descriptor. For the dragon. Generations of old in that verse actually translates to the Hebrew Kadem, which means ancient of times, the earliest of times, time before Adam, time that we don't understand. So this goes into Rahab being a planet, a place long before Adam, long before our understanding of what was going on during that time. And some of the stuff I'm reading, they said that Rahab could have been big enough to hold 10 earths. Dang. They said that you could have seen Rahab from the earth. And that kind of sounds like a very like Satan thing to do. <laughs> Let me set up shop. Let me set up shop on like the biggest planet ever. You know what it actually reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of that like little man syndrome where they get like the biggest truck on the planet with the giant wheels. Yeah, yeah. He knows he can't be God. So he's like, I'm going to get on like the biggest planet and set up shop and build a civilization there and to show you guys that I am all that. Dwight from the office. I am your hey king. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is interesting. This is interesting. Uh, So, uh, what 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 scripture was that again? We're talking about Rahab uh, in pieces. Was that in Job? That wasn't in Job, was it? So Rahab being cut down was in Isaiah fifty one nine. Now, if you're looking for it being destroyed, that would be Job, I'm sorry, Psalm 89.10. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces. And again, in the Hebrew, Rahab is a place. And as we're bringing this into full scope, back to Ezekiel 28.18, back to when Lucifer pissed God off and was like, look, God's like, look, man, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic or trading. Therefore, I will bring forth the fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. It's talking about bringing ashes to earth. So, a few scholars I read think that that could also tie into Rahab. Is these the pieces of Rahab being brought to earth from this destruction because Lucifer has just really gone out of control? 
Like he he set up shop. He created like he, he he's on this planet. You know, and back to Mars, there's several ideas that Mars had its own angel civilizations. So I'm sure he's in pretty close proximity to there. And we're talking about Stargates and all these different technologies that they moved around with the manas. Um, there's a lot going on. And that shop that he set up is a big shop. If it's 10 times the size of Earth or whatever they speculate it could be, it wouldn't be out of the scope of God to just be like, I don't know. Everything that you're talking about, our existence seems quite boring. Yeah, doesn't it? Like- we make it that way, though, Tony. We have, we have been suckered and duped by people above us, by people who care about us, by the way. I'm not everybody is doing it because they're wanting to be uh, some sort of brainwashing elite. I don't think everybody's like that. But I do think that sometimes people do things because they think it's how it should be. We need to be calm. We need to be settled. We need to have this little box of how we think this small scope. I just don't think we were ever supposed to live like that. Mm. We weren't ever supposed to be this disconnected from the spiritual world. You know, and I think that's why you and me, like we like to get out in the woods. We like to try to connect with as much weirdness as we can because I feel like it's not connecting to the weirdness. We're connecting to something spiritual. We're connecting to something that we never were supposed to be disconnected with in the first place. And I think that this concept of old earth starts unlocking our minds to seeing the world in a completely different light, a completely different view. Imagine as someone who's a follower of Jesus talking to somebody with this concept as opposed to the dogmatic view of 6,000 years, how open-minded somebody would be to hear that. And you're talking from a place of science as well. Not all science is bad. You, they still have a, a hard time with hurdles though because I mean, if, if you're talking to somebody that, so say say you come from this perspective and and, and somebody, like, you still have the, the, the hurdle of, yeah, but we were all just stupid people dragging our knuckles on the ground back then. How could it be possible that we have all this other stuff? And that's why it, I think I, I think both parties, the the evolutionists to the creationists, or maybe traditional creationists, right? Uh, it, it, there, I think there's a lot of hurdles to jump through to get to uh, accepting that this could even be a possibility. I think that's the extremist views on both sides. I think we're in an era now where people are a lot more open-minded. At least I'm seeing that. I think in, in our interactions, yeah. But I think we attract people that are more open-minded to begin with. I think if I go into the church down the street and start talking like this, I'm going to be like, yo, bro, you're crazy. I'm like, I know. I'm the first one to say it. I know. I'm crazy. Sucker. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying though? Like, I, I mean, I, I definitely see uh, the tra- there's a transition mentally for a lot of people ever since 2020. Right. Like people are starting to wake up. There's got to be something more. There's got to be. Yeah. Right. But um, I think, man, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misreading the room, but I got a feeling that this, like this, this is going to, this is something that I think a lot of people would, would balk at from both perspectives a lot still. You don't think so? I don't, man. Really? I really I've I've talked to enough people that are from different perspectives like that and they're very open-minded to that hmm. because I'm not disproving 
either side per se. Mm. I'm just expanding on both of your concepts. Both of your concepts are limited. You're, you're, you're looking at it from a limited light. Evolution's limited in the sense there's no God and everything just happened out of nothing. Christianity mainstream, as far as 6,000 years Christianity creation, is limited because you're negating science. Because again, all of science isn't bad. You're negating, you know, billions of years that could be there. You're negating the scripture that I just read today. I think it's amazing some of these things you've been put, pulling out of the scripture. I, like I said, you know, I don't know how long we've been going, but a while ago I, I said how, you know, you sit and you read the Bible and all of a sudden you're just like, I don't remember ever reading that, you know? Right. And like, like I'm looking at right now, uh, was it not you who cut Rahab into pieces? What? <laughs> 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 like, like, okay, you know? Uh, it, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, and that's, this is fascinating. Yeah. It, it's, this is really fascinating. And I, I think uh, it, it's giving people stuff to chew on. And uh, I mean, shoot, dude, I, I hope that, I, I hope that there's more people out there in mainstream Christianity, at least. I, I don't know about the other side of things, but mainstream Christianity that would, would give at least a conversation to this, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I hope that's the case. I, I think that people are open-minded, man, to, to knowing that it, we don't understand everything. Yeah. I, I think if you just understand that you don't understand God, yeah, you, you know can what, give right. that the concept yeah. that, uh, that it deserves. And I think on the opposite end of it, Again, a lot of people waking up to that there's something spiritual going on. Mm. Even people that would just normally believe in evolution. So I can go to them and be like, listen, you're not wrong with a lot of the stuff you're saying, like, you know, billions of years and some of these concepts of adaptive evolution, some of these things make sense. But here, let me tie some other pieces here. If you have an open mind to something spiritual, yeah. here's how this could work. And again, man, these are still theories. I just know that from the text, from especially the Hebrew, that there's some stuff that makes way more sense in the concept of there was an old earth and pre-Adamic man and angel civilizations. Think about that. Angel civilizations. It's wild. It's wild. And, and, and you're right, though. I mean, I, I have, now that I'm thinking about it, like I've had a lot of conversations with people, especially like in the last year since moving here, you're introducing yourself to everybody I meet is new. Uh, and you know, you talk about what do you do for a living? I'm like, how long do you have? You know, but it always comes back to spiritual conversation for me and, uh, living in the belt buckle, the Bible belt. Like, it's like, there's a lot of people who will hold that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I often bring up the people just saying, listen, I'm not saying that, uh, you need to believe Bigfoot's real. I'm not saying you need to believe in all this stuff. I'm just saying we can't put God in a box where we say we got it all figured out. Because if right. and I've said this millions of times on the show, like if we feel like we've got God all figured out, then he literally is not worth following, right? Right. And so underneath those, the underneath that idea and my conversations with people, at least just locally and stuff, and the the I I I know subconsciously. I, I recognize the perception of people when I say that stuff and it's a warm perception. Like they're like, yeah, you know, you're right. You know? So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe people are more open to hearing this. Not, not, they don't need to believe it. They don't need to walk away believing, but just having that conversation. I think the conversation is more important than what you walk away believing. 
the conversation allows you to, to, to broaden that perspective and broaden your mindset to the idea of what if and what, you know, if, if I can come to the understanding, the fundamental understanding that God is so big, I can't encompass everything mentally, what mm-hmm. he's done and what, how he's made his decisions throughout all course of beyond time because right. he's outside time. Then, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> who's to say it is, it isn't possible. And then when you come in and you, you have these different, you know, extreme things to talk about, but then you have other scriptures to back up what you're talking about, at least, uh, with the what if factor, you know, like what if this meant this, you know, like, I, I think, I think that there's more people out there than maybe I initially thought five minutes ago <laughs> that yeah. would be proceeding well. I think one thing too that you might not be thinking about that I really got a grasp on recently was the younger generation. Mm. Do you know the percentage of the younger generation that's like my kids moving into like the 20s? It's like 85% or something like that I read the other day that believe in a spiritual world. So the younger generation is actually way more open to the weird to the spiritual world wow. than the older generation is. So if anything, I hope I'm speaking to them mm. and connecting with them. I mean, I know with my kids, man, when they listen to some of the stuff I'm doing, man, they're blown back. They're like, oh my God, I'm like, my daughter will hit me up. And she's like, dad, what in the world? She's like, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this for the next week. <laughs> but to her, having a spiritual mind like that and just even knowing the people she interacts with her age who aren't necessarily Christians, but have the spiritual awareness that's the first step is understanding that there's a a spiritual world Mm -hmm. i think you can get people closer to the truth at least the truth as we understand it um in that and that's that's hopefully my goal all along with really any of this stuff that i do is to bring awareness to the fact that we don't know anything we don't know half of it (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's how i feel about everything i mean i i i that's just why I approach the show the way I approach it. I mean, I, I enjoy having conversations with people about the what if factor. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, over the years and stuff, I've, some of the what if factors have become more, I believe, factors, mm-hmm. you know, just through my own experiences to things that I have not been able to disprove that I should be able to disprove if it's not real. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 if you can approach these topics from the what if factor and just explore thought, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a big deal. I think that's what I think that's what we're doing here. So yeah, I'm getting drained. I'm so I, I'm I'm so tired right now. <laughs> I need I need some caffeine or something. Yeah, man, I had a blast. Yeah, you know I've been telling you about this for probably six months. I was like, man, I got has been that one. long. Yeah, I told you I've been working on something, and I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm gonna get in here and I'm gonna blow you back a little bit. Yeah. No, I, 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 listen, this has been awesome. And I, I didn't, I didn't expect the half of this. I, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I got to go back and listen back to it just to hear all the stuff that you covered. I mean, the scripture verses and stuff, you were just rattling them off left and right on different things, anywhere from, uh, dinosaurs to Satan's ruling places of Rahab to, who knows what else, but I, I hope people took a lot out of this and stuff and got a lot of stuff to chew on. Yeah, man, I think people will. And if anything, it just opens your mind that you don't know. And maybe you'll dig yourself and look into some of these concepts and maybe find some new concepts. Mm-hmm. That's what I do all the time, man. You know, 
I change my mind. I have the right to do that if I learn new information. Yeah. It's like I said earlier, you know, originally I thought the Anunnaki were the Nephilim. You know, that's what I've read in a lot of theologians that have broken that down. I don't think they were. I think they were fallen angels. I think this was the time before Adam. So again, you can reserve the right to change your mind. Just because you say you're wrong doesn't mean that you're some brainwashed tool. Just look at it like you've learned something. You're mm-hmm. growing. You're evolving. You know, I hope a year from now, two years from now, I'm not thinking the same way I thought today. Right. I hope I'm thinking something different. It's like you with Bigfoot, right? Yeah. Like you thought about Bigfoot is strictly flesh and blood to start with. And now look at what you mm-hmm. think about. When I just started the podcast, uh, when I started the podcast, I, I was in the very beginning stages of taking the topic of Bigfoot and thinking, what if there's a Nephilim connection here? And I thought that was like groundbreaking. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I can't even talk about this. I think people will kill me for it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, Bigfoot comes out of portals, right? <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And dog man, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of crazy about that stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you reserve the right to change your mind on things. And I think that people should, you know, hopefully have their mind changed on a lot of things throughout time. Uh, that's the way you grow, you know? So yeah, I agree with you, man. I appreciate you bringing this to the show and bringing the topic to the show and uh, old earth battles. How freaking cool is that? Dude, It my mind gets so blown thinking about it. Just imagining like, again, what we would consider like sorcerers just out in like a battlefield dropping like, telepathic bombs on each other while Vimanas are floating in the sky like <laughs> dropping bombs and you got angelic beings fighting along with like pre-edemic man and then dinosaurs part of it like just some giant like battle going on. You know, I think it'd be a really cool idea if somebody took these ideas, put them into like a story and then made like a, an audio book or something out of it. That'd be kind of cool, don't you think? I think it would, Tony. I think it would be too. I'll leave it at, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Hey, man, I appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, man, anytime. Maybe I'm forgotten at the bottom where it's hollow. My golems want to follow roads that go below a Gartha. They want me to chase my sins. But I'm not here to stay. Hey, what's that?
up for eating, but it's time to fuck You start in the darkness, it's just premature My channels go deeper than Abraham Buy crack up from source from the cherubim